0: Lock, Talk Radio. King Way, Fox
1: Beard, Lock is acting very weird. Captain Pike, Cisco's wife, Klingons and the afterlife. Boy, Murder, Dog, Ransom is very hard. Four Drive, Black Alert, Georgio has gone berserk. Beach about lift with this an idiot Fox dead, wolf is wedge, check wearing red. See this cat, can pack that Q has had enough of that. Be me up,
0: make it so everybody, let's go. We talk about, about the series. You can join us live by picking up your phone now. We talk about the series. We're coming to you on the street services now. We talk about the, the series. Come
2: and we well, good evening Trekkies and Trekkers around the globe. Uh, with that incredibly awesome song, that means it's time for Trek Talking, which means it's 7.30 on Thursday night, which means we are currently live, which means you can call 646. 646- six six eight two four three three and you can join the conversation. We've got a great show planned for you guys tonight. We're going to be talking about Star Trek Picard, season two finale, farewell, but also Strange New Worlds premiere, Strange New Worlds. But that's not all. We also have Star Trek Birthdays, fan shout outs, a convention calendar, and a whole bunch of great Star Trek news. So you definitely want to stick around. You don't want to miss any of the fun or excitement. Before we get too far though, I want to let you guys know that right now um, I've been sick. Um, I came down with COVID, so I'm going to try to get through this show as best I can. Um, If my voice doesn't cooperate and I have to step out, my awesome co-host will continue on without me, and I'll just run the keyboard. So if I disappear, that's why. Speaking of my awesome co-host, let's start out with the Portland trifecta. First of all, we have David. How you doing tonight, David?
3: Pretty good. I'm sorry that you got COVID, though.
2: Yeah, me too.
3: But hey,
2: it's life, right? (laughs) And uh, we also have with us Paul. Paul's also out in Portland, as I said. How you doing tonight, Paul?
4: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm certainly doing better than you, Jim. Uh, what Jim didn't mention is that we have him strapped down to the sick bay uh, medical scanner right now. And uh, various hypo sprays and tricorders are an- analyzing him. So hopefully we have him uh, feeling much better very, very soon.
2: I've been, uh, I've been taking care of myself. I am fully vaccinated and I've been watching Star Trek all day long. When I say I've been watching Star Trek all day long, I literally mean that. I've had Star Trek on all day. So that's been keeping me motivated, plus this podcast. So I'm, I'm in pretty good spirits. And, of course, wrapping up our trifecta of Portlanders, we have none other than the awesome Eric. How are you doing tonight, Eric?
1: Uh, I am doing great tonight, Jim. Uh, yeah, once again, sorry you're sick, but it was uh, it was kind of fun to reminisce with Charles this afternoon about that one time that you had the nasty spider bite and fell asleep on the air and we had to take over. So hopefully the <laughs> same does not happen tonight.
2: <laughs> no, I, I haven't gotten bitten by a spider, but uh, I don't think I'll fall asleep. I might get hoarse, but I won't fall asleep. And of course, last but definitely not least, and not in Portland, all the way over in Las Vegas, Nevada, we have our very own Charles. How are you doing tonight, Charles?
5: I'm doing good. We're still doing a roller coaster weather. Uh, we're supposed to be averaging 60s in the morning. It was mid 50s this morning. I think we only got to 75 today. We'll get 80s tomorrow. By Sunday, we might actually see. Maybe
2: a stray triple digit. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what. Not I let good. the dog out. I'm up here in good old Vermont, and I had to get up with the dog out, and I opened up the door, and I haven't been outside in a while, and I opened up the door, and this wall of heat just smacked me in the face, and I was like, oh, my God, it's 90 <laughs> degrees out. Just unheard of. Um, so the dog was happy. Not me so much. But anyways. We, like I said, we have a great show planned for you guys tonight, and um, every week, we start off our podcast with our fan shout-outs, and that's where we take an opportunity to say thank you to fans like you for supporting us on our Facebook page, and you can go there to face at Facebook at Truck Talking and Beyond. You spell that all out. At the top of the page, you'll see Live Long and Prosper. Just bop in there. Tell us where you're listening from. Every week, yours truly, Uncle Jim. We'll pick 15 lucky listeners, and and actually, I think I moved it up to 20 now. But anyways, if you see a heart next to your name, from moi, that means you want to tune into the next podcast, because you are going to be mentioned in a fan shout-out. So Eric, why don't you get us started
1: with our fan shout-outs? I definitely will, Jim. Our very first fan shout-out this week goes out to a country that we have a lot of support from, and we really appreciate everybody there, uh, Heiko Hauenstein from Bayreuth, Germany, uh, in the Franconia region, just north of Bavaria. Thank you so much for listening to us, Heiko. Uh, it's great to have you along for the ride, and we really, really appreciate your support. Thanks for talking to us online. We're also saying hello this week and sending out a big shout-out to Rex Max. From Cheltenham, England, thanks Drex for listening to us. We always appreciate our neighbors across the pond. We're also saying hello this week to Jus Gare from Torrevieja, Spain, and they send us a little Spanish flag, which I always like it when folks from their country send us a little flag from their country because there are some that I don't know so well, and it's a little education on their part. So thank you so much, Jus, for contacting us, and uh, live long and prosper to you. We're also saying hello this week to Peter Van Dam from New Zealand, uh, all the way down, 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 way on the other side of the planet. Though I think we talked one week about the science of that. It's not actually on the other side of the planet, but it just feels like it. And my final out, shout-out this week goes to Tino Bartletta from Florence, Italy. Oh, what a beautiful city you live in. Little Italian flag, little Live Long and Prosper, and some hugs your way, Tino. Thank you so much for listening to us. Charles, Who's on your list this week?
5: Well, let's start off with Susan Smith from Grand Island, Florida. I'm not sure how your weather's doing, Susan, but our friend Mark B. Lee has been letting us us know on Facebook you're getting a heat wave in his part of Florida. Stephen J. Walker from Grove, Texas. Colleen Lee Fenske. From Kingman, Alberta, Canada. Okay, I'm used to Kingman Kingman, Arizona. Didn't realize there's a Kingman up in Canada too. Susan, where your where mayor? From Venea, Australia. Austria, sorry, Austria. And Rudy Cramp from Camp Town, South Africa. Ah, Maybe a vacation spot for Eric. Paul, who's on your list?
4: Well, we've got all kinds of folks here from all over the glorious globe this week. Now, this first one, I hope I am reading this correctly. I believe we have from fabulous Colorado Springs, Colorado, BJ and Joe Ondo. I'm seeing an and in there, so I think that means we have two individuals, BJ and Joe. I hope we're getting that correct, and thank you so much for listening in mountainous Colorado Springs. Big shout-out on the other side of the hemispheres to Owen Watkin in Ipswich in Queensland, Australia. Fantastic place to live. Big welcome to David Rosales from Israel and has the Israeli flag prominently pe- featured in his uh, note on here, which is wonderful. Going back to Germany, we have a couple of listeners here who uh, signed in this week. Live long and prosper to Ralph M. Bauer from Munich and, and that's John.
1: A, a, and that is an S set. That second letter, they actually use the S set. So that is pronounced like a double S. It's s Baumer. Can you believe that?
4: Your earth words are strange to me, Eric. <laughs> it's only
1: because I, per- I, took German I prefer to call that a I... squiggly line. <laughs> it's probably because I took German when I should have took Spanish.
4: <laughs> wow. Okay. It's a, so I should be saying Ralph S. Baumer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Very I have, a, of you. Well I have a phobia of mispronouncing anyone's name, which is a dreadful, just shockingly That's bad manners to up, ever buddy. do. Thank you. Thank you for correcting me. John Berger, I believe it's just spelled John Berger, uh, from the German Democratic. What's that?
0: <laughs> he I does. heard
4: something. I don't know what I heard. From uh, the German Democratic Republic to our friends in Germany, Israel, Australia, and Colorado, thank you so much for spending some time with us and for letting us know that you're out there. We thought you were out there, but it's always gratifying to hear it and know that you are. Jim? Who would you like to send regards to, my friend? Okay, here we go. Uh,
2: We'd like to say thank you to Douglas Richardson, who says he's from the smallest city, Vergennes, Vermont. Yeah, Vergennes is pretty tiny, but there are smaller towns in Vermont than Vergennes, so keep that in mind. We'd like to say thank you to top fan Russell Tillery, who says, Fama, from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, so that's pretty cool. We'd also like to say a thank you to Zoe Lopez, who's listening in Holyoaks, Massachusetts. We'd also like to say thank you to Helio Ricardo de Silvia from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. And last but not least, Bill Myers from Long Island, New York. And uh, thank you for listening to each and every one of you guys. We really appreciate it. We could not do the show without your support. Please head over to our Facebook page and let us know where you're listening from so that you can be mentioned in the future fan. Shout out. Uh, We're not done yet, guys. We still have Star Trek birthdays to talk about and a whole lot more. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after we hear from GM Chris.
6: This is Chris from Trek Talking and Beyond, here to invite you to join us for the best science fiction themed podcast on the internet. Our elite team of Trek experts are here to discuss Star Trek and other sci-fi related content and we want to hear from you. Dial 646- 668-2433- On Thursday nights from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. on East Coast time, hailing frequencies are always open and we'll get you on the air to share your opinions. We have faith. You will call. And
2: we're back in this part of the show where we do our Star Trek birthdays, which means we have
6: to hear from Worf.
2: was not a Klingon song. No, Grumpy Wharf says that every week, but we still love him. We always start out our Star Trek birthdays every week by remembering those who, sadly enough,
1: are no longer with us. And for that,
2: we turn to Eric.
1: Yeah, Jim, this week we have quite a few remembrances, so uh, I will move quickly through these. Uh, We're saying uh, happy birthday and sending out our love and remembrances to actor Bill Quinn who, of course, played David McCoy, uh, Leonard McCoy's father in Star Trek V, The Final Frontier, probably one of the greatest scenes ever in any Star Trek movie. I will give you that, Jim, and it's one of the many reasons why you love that movie, and I understand why. He was also best known as Sweeney the Bartender on The Rifleman, Uh, so very famous actor. Happy birthday, Bill Quinn. We're also saying happy birthday to John Austin Lormer. Uh, who played a couple of different roles. Dr. Theodore Haskins in TOS's episodes The Cage and Menagerie, which are always hand-in-hand, of course. Also played Tamar in TOS's episode Return of the Archons. And would you believe that John starred in over 150 movies, including many, many John Wayne movies over the years? So happy birthday to John Austin Lormer. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Roger Perry, who played John Christopher in TOS's episode Tomorrow is Yesterday, began his acting career back in the 50s and continued on uh, until uh, just the early 21st century there. Rashad Bayezad Kamal, would have had a birthday this week, played Commander Sonak in Star Trek, the motion picture. Uh, One of our Vulcans we get in that movie. And Sonak is a name that actually repeats later, but in reference to a Ferengi in one of the books that we're reading right now. Craziest thing. Who knew that Sonak could be a Ferengi name as well. Happy birthday, Rashad. We're also saying happy birthday this week to actor David Hurst, who, of course, played Ambassador Hoden in TOS's episode, The Mark of Gideon. Uh, he uh, has a very interesting past. He actually is um, German-Jewish and was one of nearly 10,000 children who were rescued from uh, from Germany uh, during World War II. So, uh Not only did he persevere through that, but went on to become a great actor. Happy birthday, David Hurst. We're also saying happy birthday to actor Ray Young, who played Morka in DS9's episode Visionary, one of our many Klingons we get along the way. Mary Esther Denver would have had a birthday this week. She plays one of the three witches in TOS's episode Cat's Paw, uh, one of our favorites that we always like to talk about. She's known as the First Witch. She was born in Iowa, by the way, uh, Midwestern homie, Uh, so happy birthday to her. We're also saying happy birthday this week to actor George Coe, who played Chancellor Avel Durkin in TNG's episode, First Contact, not the movie, that episode, Uh, and he was actually one of the founding members of Saturday Night Live way back in 1975, so it was cool when he got to show up on TNG uh, in the 90s. Happy birthday to George Coe. We're also saying happy birthday this week to Robert Leroy Sampson, who played SAR 6 in TOS' episode, A Taste of Armageddon. I just love that episode. Such a cool episode. Uh, and he had several regular roles, uh, in several television shows throughout the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Uh, so happy birthday to Robert Leroy Sampson. Also happy birthday to John Cabot, who played, uh, Lieutenant Kelly, of course, uh, in TOS's episode, The Devil in the Dark, uh, one of my top five TOS episodes. Love that episode so much. Uh, unfortunately, a red shirt.
6: Uh,
1: actor Kenneth Welsh would have had a birthday this week as well. Uh, he is best known as playing Senatel in Discovery. Uh, it's kind of strange for us to have a Discovery member already on our remembrance list, but we did lose Kenneth. Uh, he played Senatel the Trill Uh, in People of Earth and Forget-Me-Not. And uh, he was probably best known for playing the villain Wyndham Earl in the second season of Twin Peaks in the 90s. Uh, So if you like that show, you may go back uh, and see him there as well as in Star Trek Discovery. Actor Benjamin Lum would have had a birthday this week. Uh, he played assistant chief engineer Jim Shimoda on TNG's episode, The Naked Now. I loved it when they did that episode of callback to a TOS episode there. So happy birthday to Benjamin Lum. And our final remembrance this week goes out to actor Michael G. Haggerty, who played Captain Larg in TOS's, or excuse me, TNG's episode, Redemption Part Two And uh he's outside of Star Trek. He is probably best known as Mr. Trigger on Friends. So that is it for our remembrances this week. Quite a few. And somebody uh who we lost most recently here um in Kenneth Welsh. So happy birthday to all those remembrances. Charles, would you like to kick off who has a birthday that is still with us this week?
5: I sure will. Okay. This one's going to start off with a doubleheader. Gregory Beechcroft played Mickey D, and Sam Anderson played the Citizen manager, and TNG is the Royale. Interesting to have two birthdays from the same episode this week. And Sam has got some extensive credits on there. In fact, one of the shows that popped up was Oh, a couple of our stars in my list are, have spent uh, an episode in WKRP in Cincinnati. Jessica Hendra played Dejar in DS9's Destiny. But I was looking at her list of credits and she's got, she's producing a new movie and I'm not sure I really want to see it. Titled, How to Cook Your Daughter. Okay, that's going to be an odd one. David Clennon played Doctor Crow Moset and Void, nothing human, but Paul might like this character, as he also played Palmer in John Carpenter's The Thing.
4: Oh, the greatest of the Woo-hoo. great.
2: <laughs> no I CGI that in that movie
5: Didn't need it oh,
2: yeah. Nope
5: I just thought nope. it's interesting that I was going through credits And that movie Sitting there right in this top credits Like okay gotta mention that
0: <laughs>
5: Gina Phillips Played Maria Sewell in DS9 The Storyteller April Grace Played the transporter chief. Maggie Hilbert. Five episodes of TNG. But Uncle Jim missed one. She also played. Admiral Whitley. In the stargazer. From Picard. So even though she was a minor character. In TNG. We got to see her come back in Picard. Vincent Grant
6: played Yarick
5: in Enterprise's Chosen Realm, one of our favorite mysterious actresses. (laughs) Jennifer Hedrick played Vash in TNG's Captain's Holiday, Cupid, and DS9's Q-Less. Definitely a love interest we kind of wondered about for Picard. And a fun one. Eugene Cordero currently plays Ensign Sam Rutherford in LDS.
1: I love you, Rutherford. You're my favorite.
5: (laughs) But uh, that's a great (laughs) list to work off. Uh, Let's see if Paul can top that.
4: LDS, uh, are you saying the Latter Day Saints? What? I don't understand that acronym. <laughs> oh, no, no, no,
1: Paul. Come on, get with the program. Uh, lower deck. Lower <laughs> oh, deck I theory. see.
4: God, you know, know. some uh, people you just have to spell everything out for. Okay. You got to
1: drag these these baby boomers kicking and screaming in the 21st century here, people.
4: Oh, I work with so many acronyms every day, and, <laughs> but you guys, you guys take the cake with these acronyms here. It's like a whole other shorthand. Wow, friends. Oh,
5: friend. just wait for me wait week we introduced
1: him to Voy instead of Voyager. Yeah, you never say Voyager. You only say Voy. It's very specific.
4: Oh, I see. Okay. Well,
1: I'm kind of a we're rebel, gotta, friend, so I tend to, like, LBS, you know,
4: push back <laughs> against rules. So you, the longer you're around me, the more you'll know.
1: <laughs> wait, so you're saying reverse psychology works on you then?
4: Yeah, never say, Paul, don't push that button. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't push that button, because I'll tell it. you, that button's going down. It really <laughs> is. So. It's, it's in my DNA. I can't help it. Oh, my God. I have some amazing people on this list who I am just thrilled to be able to help celebrate. First of all, a gigantic happy birthday to Sonia Son. I don't know if folks necessarily recognize that name right off, but you should know who Sonia is she portrayed Gabrielle Burnham, Michael Burnham's mom, on Star Trek Discovery, and she is awesome. If you enjoyed her work, I'm telling you, seek out a HBO series called The Wire. If you've never seen The Wire before, you're missing one of the – I know there's a lot of fans out there. Oh, I only watch science fiction. And like <laughs> – you know, some folks, that's their, that's their thing, right? They don't paint outside those lines. But if you're looking for a great crime show, The Wire is amazing. One of the greatest TV series of the last 25 years, easy. And she, uh, Sony has a huge role on there where she plays Kima, uh, one of the detectives. But she is tremendous. Also, happy birthday to Salome Jens, who played the female changeling on Deep Space Nine and the ancient humanoid in the next-gen episode, The Chase, which I believe we just uh, referred to a little bit earlier on there. Happy birthday to the mighty Kevin Peter Hall. Now, who is Kevin Peter Hall, you may say? Well, he played Laor in uh, the next-gen episode, The Price, but he will go down in cinema history as the first man to embody in the science fiction film the title role the predator that crazy lobster turkey jawed creature that arnold schwarzenegger fights with his soldier compadres kevin peter hall is extremely tall i believe mr hall has also passed away in the last couple of years so we might have to move him over to memoriams on here but uh, he's like seven foot something right and uh, he played in uh, Bigfoot in Harry and the Hendersons as well, and a whole swath of different, uh, typically uh, makeup or creature type roles. But he, he's phenomenal, uh, phenomenal role, and a very physical, expressive actor. So, happy birthday wherever you are, Kevin Peter Hall. Felicitations also to Amy Wheaton in the Next Gen episode When the Bow Breaks, uh, played the character of Tara. Fun fact, a trivia for keeping track at home. Amy is the sister of Will Wheaton, so I'm sure she's getting all those good tickets to things on the uh, on the inside track as far as knowing what's going on. Just ask Amy; she'll tell you. This next birthday, this is cause for celebration because I got to say, this is one of the best actresses working anywhere on the planet right now. The magnificent, spectacular. Shore Agdashlu. She is remarkable. She played Commodore Paris in Star Trek Beyond. And you may not necessarily know her by that name, but if you see her, you know that face because she is in a ton of work she was in star trek beyond of course she goes back in 24 a movie called house and sand and fog but what most fans probably know her of these days is a magnificent sci-fi show called the expanse so good oh my god if you were looking at me if you burn through every star trek episode there is you're that person who's sitting there at home going, I'm always complaining there's never good intelligent science fiction on. Good, smart, realistic science fiction. And you're ready to kick a dirt clod across the front lawn. Friend, go find The Expanse, if you will. It is one of the smartest, most amazing, just special science fiction properties that you will ever find from a tremendous series of books. Um Shorette plays the uh, the Secretary General of the United Nations, a very powerful role, Christian Avassarela. So I really, really recommend it a lot. She is one of the most foul-mouthed characters on television. <laughs> she wears she just, like a sailor. She cannot freaking <laughs> keep from freaking saying if, – if my wife and I have a joke when we watch The Expanse, right? It's basically – it's just like yeah, – if the F word was a was the drinking game word during the expanse, nobody would be able to get up off the <laughs> floor. Let's just put it that way.
0: Done.
4: Yeah, she she <laughs> punctuates it the way most people use commas. Yeah. But uh, she's just a treasure. She has this incredibly deep, throaty, husky, raspy voice. It's just it's it's unmistakable. So sorry to go off, but she's just a living legend and an absolute treasure. So, happy birthday, my dear. You are a goddess among mortals. That's all I know. This next name, I highly recommend that you keep in in your thoughts, because we're about to talk about Joan Swift. And why is Joan Swift so important? Well, the character she played back in the OG original series, first season episode, Operation Annihilate, that I believe Jim just watched today, is Aurelan Kirk that means that's sam kirk's wife if i'm not mistaken and you're going to be hearing about the kirk family and sam kirk a lot in the weeks and months to come in fact i think you may be hearing a lot about them on this very show tonight but uh very very great that woman can scream like there's no tomorrow i mean my gosh (laughs) in that episode she is out of control when she is trying to keep those creatures out of her room. Happy birthday. Hope you rested those vocal cords. Another happy birthday to Melanie Nichols King, who played Admiral Drake on Discovery's episode The War Without The War Within. And happy birthday to a remarkably good character actor, Richard Riley, who played if you, everyone always lists this episode including myself amongst Next Gen's top episodes ever, The Inner Light, The Inner light Mm -hmm. and richard rail played batai the the villager who helps sort of show picard the ropes as he is becoming acclimated to this new place on the voyager episode fair haven and spirit folk he also played seamus and on enterprise dr jeremy lucas the commas are all over the place here so bear with me and uh, Cold Station 12 and The Augments, which I believe are both Enterprise episodes, must get larger yeah. font. Note to self. <laughs> I know Eric will slap me if I get the wrong character from the wrong franchise, and I'm still recovering from that. <laughs> so, Still recovering from that German punctuation. So. <laughs> I'm sorry, buddy. I'm sorry. <laughs> and a final happy birthday from me to Lark Spies, who played Stell on the enterprise episode the forge which is on my list of episodes i need to revisit and drink deep of so a lot of amazing folks out there who are are dipping a toe in the star trek universe celebrating this week may you all live long and prosper back to you in sickbay jim
2: well, we'd like to wish happy birthday to Leslie Ann Hope, who played Kira Maru in DS9's episode Wrongs Darker Than the Death of Night. That's Kira's mother. <coughs> happy birthday to you. We'd also like to say happy birthday to Brian Cousins, who played Crisis in TNG's Descent Part 1 and Part 2. He also played the Romulan officer Parm in TNG's The Next Phase. We'd like to wish happy birthday to Nancy Howler, who played Ensign Samantha Wildman in Eight episodes of Voy. We'd like to say happy birthday to Alan Dale, who played Predator Heron in and <laughs> Star Trek Nemesis, which I just watched this afternoon on my lengthy Star Trek list. Um, we'd like to watch, say happy birthday to Jason Brooks, who played the Helmsman in Star Trek 2009, which I also watched. Oddly enough. His lines were dubbed over in the movie by none other than Will Wheaton, the Traveler himself, which is a little fact I didn't know. So I had to go back and watch the movie just to verify that. And yes, his voice is that of Will Wheaton. Uh, We'd like to say happy birthday to Meg Foster, who played Anya in DS9's The Muse. But for me, she played Evil Lynn in The Masters of the Universe, which also starred Another Star Trek alumni, Tom Paris himself. Robert Duncan McNeil is also in Masters of the Universe. And Dolph Lundgren, who, of course, was in Rocky IV. Uh, he has the title role. Great movie. I love it. It's fun. It's, it's like Flash Gordon in my book, only without the awesome music. So happy birthday to Meg Foster. But wait, there's more. She's also in another one of my favorite John Carpenter movies, They Live, where she plays Holly, who um, is a traitor to the human race.
4: The Uh, greatest. The greatest movie, Jim.
2: It's just awesome. It's a great, great, great movie. I love it. Uh, So happy birthday to Meg Foster. Uh, We'd also like to say happy birthday to Richard Cox, who played Carol Flynn in TNG's The High Ground. And uh, that leaves me, last but not least, with the Klingons. Now, originally, I had two Klingons on my list, but one of those Klingons passed away this week, so I had to move it up to Eric's list, and we'll get to that a little bit later, which left me with uh, with only one Klingon. But before I get to that, though, we want to say happy birthday to Jordan Lund, who played Woban in uh, Deep Space Nine, the storyteller, and scholar in is The Bounty but we're mentioning him tonight because he was a Klingon, but not just any Klingon. He played Kulj in TNG's redemption part one. And you're thinking, well, what makes him so awesome? What makes him so awesome is because in the beginning of that episode, when, when Galron is being an idiot and sending his ships off on suicide missions to kind of make uh, general Martok look bad, uh, this guy steps up to him and says, Hey, Hold it, dude. You're being dumb. What are you doing? And he challenges Gowron to a duel. And of course, Gowron kills him. Steps over his body and then goes back to the battle. So uh, that was his his remembrance as a Klingon in Star Trek. And that wraps up our birthdays, guys. Believe it or not, it was a long list. It was a lengthy list, but it was a fun list, I think. Lots of information. Lots of great birthdays. But... um, Don't touch that dial. We have a lot more to come, but we do have have a caller on the line here. Uh, I believe that uh, we have Anna. Anna, are you with us?
7: Totally. I am, like, listening in more today than anything else, but, yeah.
2: You like the Star Trek birthdays?
7: Yeah, I was listening to that. I'm just trying to get in sync with, you know, your group of people basically and i you know picked up on some stuff there but i'm really getting a lot out of you just talking about the plots and the science fiction concepts so it's fun to listen in and
2: it's that's funny that's too
7: cool. it was super funny so
2: well with the with the birthdays yeah. we like to do if if these actors are in other movies besides star trek we like to throw them out okay. there so fans can maybe go and check them out if they're and interested I totally so
7: that's, totally that's cool yeah i Okay, totally. Yeah, I just, it's not my thing as much. I didn't, I'm not that much of a fan, maybe. Like, I didn't know the woman's name you said, but I'm almost positive I do know her character because this one actress that does stand out, so I'm thinking, you know what, that's her, but I don't know it that well, so. But, well, yeah. that's okay. <laughs> I'm going to try to start eight. watching the cartoons. Well, I'm going to try to start watching the cartoons with the little one. He's more into other cartoons right now, and he really loves this one show. He just And I love it, too, so we just kind of almost constantly watch it. But anyway, there's just so much to do, so little time, and just such a waste of time. So, anyway, thank you for the show. I'll just listen in mostly, I think. All today. right.
2: Enjoy. All right. Thank you, Anna.
7: Thank you. Okay. And
2: uh, we also have another caller on the line. Let me see if I can get the phone to pick up here. Uh, come on, come on. There we go. Hey, good evening. Thank you for calling Trek Talk. And what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight?
5: Hello? Hello? This Hello? is
8: Ray from the Bronx. How you guys doing? Ray! Oh, Ray. Ray. Hey, buddy, <laughs> Ray, how you doing, buddy? It's been a Yo, long time. I've right. I'm, 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 I'm been busy, my friend. I've been busy, my boy. I've been busy, man. I'm sorry. I've been busy. I, I'm doing a lot right by now.
2: That's okay. That's I, okay.
8: We, I we, am doing a lot of, uh, by now. Actually, um, I have I, I have a couple of questions. Number one, I saw the Star Trek: Strange New World. Captain Pike. You know what? That is yo. That episode. I know it's a pilot, but you know what? It is it, good. It is good because you no know why because like i said uh, like like you remember um the you know from the 60s right you know the uh the natural series right you you are uh, doing time with the chair you know what i'm saying show everything show, show else but finally yep. finally gave him gave, gave him his props you know what i'm saying about his story before uh, i mean before the, the uh the, the, the you know the me with, with the delusions. you know what i'm saying yep. so now 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 I can sit down and real, I can sit down and say, Let me see about Captain Christopher Pike. Let me see about his
2: trial triple Absolutely. Yeah. And did, you what, what your does your wife like that too? Does does she watch it with you? Yeah, she did. Good.
8: Yeah, she did.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, she did
8: a a in moment day moment do you guys so um that Doctor strange the new one the movie, the the movie the the new one the movie universe that, that strange oh no. the, the movie no uh, oh, okay. i haven't seen
6: it yet Brothers, I,
8: I, yeah, I you, I you to, yeah. got your i swear to god you have to <laughs> watch this i you are swear not to kidding it's awesome i saw it the other night and this. it's
4: great all right, Paul, you
9: didn't invite like me. <laughs>
8: William Holman. All right. Paul, I'll go see it. That sounds amazing.
9: What? Huh? I
8: saw the freaking movie, baby. What's <laughs> up, Hello. Hello. Wait I mean, got
0: me
9: on. Yeah. on um... Anyway.
2: <laughs>
1: so is that, that k yeah.
2: Are we talking to Kalar?
1: I think we're talking to Kalar. I think Kayla um, is on.
2: Yeah.
9: come on and hold on, <laughs> my baby here got me on some TV shows, on um, radio
0: shows.
9: <laughs> Hello. <laughs> All right, let's go. Yep, we're okay.
2: here. I'm Eva. So. And what did you do? This is Uncle Jim from Truck Talking.
8: That's my, my wife. Uncle Jim? Yes. So I'm sorry. My
9: uncle, they, they, know me, they know me as my wife. He was okay. a little bit old. So. Remember what yeah. I had her, yeah. They wanted want to know about Dr. Strange. Listen.
0: <laughs> Dr. Strange is off the hook. They That's
9: explained going. so many things from um, Wonder Woman that became um what the hell that was the name red? um star
2: wood
9: yeah it was
2: her. Yep, thing, Witch.
9: she even she even made me cry from 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 being such a son of a Brooklyn bridge and not realizing yep. that she was a son of a Brooklyn Bridge. And that new yeah. character who opened up Coral and showed her what she was and what he became, and the kids were afraid of her. Listen, that was a whole emotional. Let me say something. It was worth waiting for that damn movie to come out.
2: That it was means, excellent. That's for sure.
9: It was, yes. yes.
2: Absolutely anybody excellent.
9: didn't watch Wonder Woman, I mean Wonder Woman, so, no, uh, no. Wanda, Wanda Woman.
2: Woman. Yes, God. This is Wanda. God.
9: Vision. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. WandaVision. Vision. This is up on me. If nobody yep. saw that, you would not know where her sense and hatred came
2: from. But anyway. Absolutely.
9: Well, you might be there on a TV show. Talk and talk. else you from my opinion, it was excellent.
2: Excellent. Well, we we appreciate that, Ray. We love to hear from you at, at any time. It's always great to hear from Ray in the Bronx, for sure. Absolutely. Okay,
0: hold on a minute.
2: Hold on a minute, because now I'm curious about,
9: um, you know,
8: Trek, um, the, no, forget Star Trek. The, forget the, Star Trek. Well blue
9: people. Oh I mean, the Andorians? No. He got me off. Hmm. Damn, we've been waiting about like 13, 12 years about this.
8: Oh, Avatar. Avatar. talk. Oh, 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 oh,
5: oh.
9: Yeah. Is this... Gonna be worth going out.
2: Hello. Well, we'll have we'll have to wait and see.
0: Avatar: <sighs> the, the Secret of on? the River, that's, I
2: believe it's called, or the Secret of the Water, or that's something not like that. Yeah. <laughs> I
9: know it's gonna be about water, but I don't see no gills on these damn people. They're still tall. The dragons
2: are underwater. Come on now. Do one. No, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. All right, Ray. Well, we have to we have to move oh, on. We've got a lot of to talk yeah, yeah. about, I and we really we really appreciate right, hey, you I'm giving right, us right, a call. You're always welcome to call anytime. We love to hear from you down in the Bronx. Wait,
8: wait, 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 What about store? The new store? Okay, I don't know about new Thor. De- I don't know
2: about them. Definitely got to Okay, do I that. know
8: you guys don't want to do both. Okay, question.
9: Right, oh, I Lord. She, okay, she wants to see you. Or, she want to say you. One time. I saw a trailer, and Thor was fat and heavy in in the last movie that, um, oh, shoot, the, the Hulk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They came to pick him up. Well, why did start off
0: like that?
2: He was uh um, oh, he did. was uh the big Lebowski yeah. Thor for my and we're gonna see a female Thor in the next movie. Which will be interesting. What? You mean Broccoli? Yeah. What we're gonna see lady. a female Thor. Broccoli. It'll be fun. Well, what
9: did they show the same Thor from the end
2: Yeah, it's the same Thor. Except his girlfriend is gonna take over could... and be the, the new Thor. I, what I thought, the girls, Oh my um, god. Wait a minute. Yeah. We'll just have to tune in and we'll have to watch the movie. Yep. <sighs> you know what?
5: All right. I love you. Well, listen,
2: listen, listen, Ray, we we,
5: uh, we really
2: gotta get going, Ray. We gotta keep we gotta get back onto our Star Trek here. We appreciate you calling, and uh, you're welcome to call anytime. But we got to get back on our on our schedule right, here. Ahead. So all right, all
5: right,
2: thank ahead. you so go much ahead. for calling, I need, Ray. I, I need do I my
8: research, and I'll get back. Thank
2: you. Everybody. All right, you have a great right. night, Ray. Thank you so much. Bye Bye-bye. bye. All right, guys. Go uh, we got convention calendar coming up next, so don't touch that dial. We'll be right back.
6: This is Chris from Trek Talking and Beyond here to invite you to join us for the best science fiction themed podcast on the internet. Our elite team of Trek experts are here to discuss Star Trek and other sci-fi related content, and we want to hear from you. Dial 646-668-2433 on Thursday nights from 7:30 to 9:30 p.m. on East Coast time. Hailing frequencies are always open and we'll get you on the air to share your opinions. We have faith you will call. And we're back, and it's time for
2: convention, 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 calendar, 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 calendar,
0: calendar.
2: All right, guys, we always do our convention calendar each week. And Eric, why don't you get us started?
1: Yeah, Jim, we're checking out uh, Awesome Con, which is going to happen June 3rd through the 5th at the Walter E. Washington Convention Center in Washington, D.C. So go check out Awesome Con. We're also checking out FedCon, same weekend, June 3rd through the 5th, at the Meritim Hotel in Bonn, Germany. So there you go. Go check out the FedCon in Germany while you're there. We're also checking out PopCon Indie same weekend june 3rd through the 5th at the indiana convention center in indianapolis indiana and we are also tracking the Hellmouth, june 3rd through the 5th at the hilton los angeles hotel uh at the lax airport there so paul what conventions are you watching
4: i'm watching my mute button get stuck sorry (laughs) (laughs) sorry about that eric Yeah, technology, it's my favorite thing. First of all, we're watching the Armageddon Expo in Auckland, New Zealand. It's June 10th to 12th, 2022, at the ASB Showgrounds. I have no idea what acronym ASB stands for here. Eric, theories? Auckland uh, Star Star Trek Bananaville. I don't know about that. could be. (laughs) But that could be. Anyhow, that's where you will go on June 10th through 12th. A little closer to home, if you're not feeling like flying for 14 hours, you can go to Fan Expo Dallas in beautiful Dallas, Texas, at the Kay Bailey Hutchinson Convention Center, June 17th through 19th. And you can uh, be guaranteed an exciting good time there. Up north, where it it may be cold, may be hot, it may be crazy, I don't know, but in incredible Altoona, Pennsylvania, June 17th through 19th, it's Sci-Fi Valley Con 2022 at the Blair County Convention Center, again, in glorious Altoona, Pennsylvania. Finally... Let's get out of these United States, cross over that border, and head into the Blue Mountains and go to Ontario, Canada for YetiCon. Bring your razors, bring your braids and hair combing essentials for YetiCon 2022, June 17th through 19th at the Blue Mountain Village Conference Center. I love you Canadians. I often wish I was one of you. So I, I hope YetiCon is a splendid, rational, happy, and uh, enlightened and entertaining event. I cannot wait to hear all about it, which makes me spin the, the Trek calendar needle. Who will it land on next? It's spinning furiously like it's a demagnetized compass. Ah. Oh! It's landed on Charles. Charles, what do you got going on, baby? Well,
5: if you don't want to go to YetiCon, how about going to SopanovaCon Comic-Con, and gaming, Sydney, June 18th and 19th the Sydney Showground, Showgrounds at Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. Then we get into the latter part of June, Port Con, Maine, June 23rd to 26th, Devil Tree by Hilton Hotel, Portland, Maine, South Portland, Maine, Magic City Con, you go over there instead, June 24th to 26th, Hyatt Region, Birmingham, the Winfrey Hotel, Birmingham, Alabama. Or go to Sci-Fi on the Rock, also June 24th to 26th, at the Sheridan Hotel, Newfoundland, St. John's, Newfoundland, Canada. Or Jim can tell you might, where you might want to go that same weekend.
2: Yeah, June 24th to the 26th, you could go to SoonerCon. At the Embassy Suites by Hilton Norman Hotel and Conference Center <coughs> in, in uh, Norman, Oklahoma. You can go to Fan Expo Denver July 1st through the 3rd at the Colorado Convention Center in Denver, Colorado. Or you can go over to BayCon July 1st through the 4th at the San Mateo Marriott San Francisco Airport in San Mateo, California. Or last but not least, you could go to Connecticut July 14th to the 17th at the Connecticut Convention Center at the Hartford Marriott downtown in Hart, Connecticut. And that, my friends, wraps up our convention calendar. We do have a little bit of Star Trek news to cover, so not a lot, but just a little bit. Then we're going to move into our Star Trek Picard Farewell and Strange New Worlds review. Don't touch that dial. We'll be right back after we hear from Jamie. <laughs>
7: This is Jamie from Trek Talking Here to invite you to join us For the best sci-fi themed podcast Our elite team of treksperts Are here to discuss Star Trek And sci-fi themed content Call 646-668-2433 Thursday nights From 7.30 to 9.30pm Eastern coast time We can't wait to hear from you Live long and prosper.
2: And we're back And because we have a double show this week I shaved down the Star Trek news quite a bit, so uh, it should be pretty quick and pretty painless. But first, we have to have
6: Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Incoming transmission. Enter authorization code. Command codes verified. Define parameters of program. Level nine authorization required. Specify parameters. Transfer of data is complete.
2: All right, guys, we're going to cover Star Trek news real quick here. We do have a story that we had to add because, uh, like I said, um, this actor just passed away on Thursday. So, Eric, why don't you get us started with our Star Trek news?
1: Sure. Uh, Actor Mike Haggerty, Friends and Somebody Somewhere character actor, uh, unfortunately, died at 67 years old. Mike Haggerty, the prolific character actor who recently starred in HBO's critically acclaimed dramedy, Somebody Somewhere died Thursday in Los Angeles. He was 67. A veteran character actor with over 100 credits in various television shows and movies, Haggerty was known for his recurring role in the hit NBC sitcom Friends, where he played Mr. Trigger. He was also a main cast member on The George Carlin Show and on Lucky Louie. Born and raised in Chicago, Haggerty was noted for his distinctive mustache and thick Chicago accent and got his start as a performer at the city's famed improv theater company Second City. Haggerty began his on-screen career in the early 1980s with small roles in films such as Doctor Detroit, The Imposter, Turk 182, and Brewster's Minions. In 86, he booked his first television role in an episode of the classic sitcom Cheers. Over the decades, he would become a frequent sight on sitcoms, making appearances in series such as Married with Children, Murphy Brown, Dr. John, Get a Life, The Wonder Years, Martin, Seinfeld, The Wayne Brothers, The Drew Carey Show, Grace Under Fire, Allie McBeal, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Desperate Housewives, Boston Legal, Good Luck Charlie, Glee, Happy Endings, The Mini Project, and Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Dramas he was featured in include <clears throat> Crime Story, <clears throat> Angel, ER, and Deadwood. He also had roles in such shows as The Building, Star Trek The Next Generation, and The Home Court. Although best known for his television roles, Haggerty also had several film roles, including Overboard, Dick Tracy, Space Truckers, Speed 2, and Inspector Gadget. He also appeared in three Mike Myers comedies, Wayne's World, So I Married an Axe Murderer, and Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Haggerty is survived by his wife, Mary Catherine, sister Mary Ann Haggerty, sister-in-law Kathleen O'Rourke, and niece Meg. So, uh, unfortunately, Mike Haggerty lost this week, uh, had a birthday this week as well. So we send out our remembrances and love to him. So, Paul, let's keep this news train rolling.
4: I will, man. This news train is heavily lubricated and ready to go. Our next feature is a brief uh, snippet of an interview with – Strange New World star Rebecca Romaine. And so I'm going to, I know where time is on our side, not so great tonight. So I'm going to try to go through this uh, and, and get it out to you promptly. Uh, this is about how Rebecca Romaine insisted on wearing a Starfleet dress on Star Trek Strange New Worlds. The original Star Trek series remains spellbinding for its forward-thinking science fiction ideas, but it remains equally spellbinding for being a show so firmly entrenched in the 60s that all female crew members on board the USS Enterprise wear short miniskirts while the men get to strut around in far less revealing uniforms. That's not fair, is it, friends? And while Trek has gone a long way in the decades since to make Starfleet uniforms work for all genders and body types, the next generation even featured male officers in the Starfleet mini-dress or scant uniform. That classic short skirt look is at least one major fan. Star Trek Strange New World star Rebecca Romaine, Una Chin Riley, better known to Captain Christopher Pike and Star Trek fans as number one, rocked the Starfleet dress look throughout the first five episodes of Strange New World's, with the tough-as-nails first officer of the Enterprise making a strong case for this seemingly outdated look to make a major comeback. And you could consider this mission accomplished for a main who not only requested that Una wear a Starfleet dress, but that she actively wear it during action sequences. (laughs) Well now, the result is a low-key subversion of sci-fi tropes. So often, the badass, quote-unquote, woman on board a spaceship is coated with more masculine features and dress. Everyone aims for Vasquez from Aliens. Anytime, anywhere, man. But Una, second in command of the flagship vessel Starfleet, wears her long hair down, paints her nails, and calls the shots while rocking an unapologetically feminine dress. Strange New Worlds is happy to put women in charge and to let them embrace their femininity, even when they're shooting facers on an away mission. Take that, Gloria Steinem. (laughs) Beam me up. Jim, over to you.
2: Well, Paramount Plus is launching in the U.K. and Ireland in June, including Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which is great news for a lot of our international listeners. The expansion of Paramount Plus around the world continues. We now have details on the U.K. launch which will include news about impending launches in the U.K. and South Korea, bringing in the new original show, Strange New World. Paramount announced details of the launch of the streaming service to the U.K. and Ireland. The service arrives on June 22nd. Paramount promises the service will be a one-stop destination for Paramount's biggest brands, where fans of all ages can find exclusive original premium content, global hits, and discover a world of favorites from Paramount's vast catalog. In the UK, Paramount Plus will be available online at ParamountPlus.com and on mobile and wide range of connected TV devices via the Paramount Plus app, via broadband direct-to-consumer distribution throughout Apple, Amazon, Google, Roku, and Samsung, with more platforms to be announced in the coming months. Users will be able to sign up for the service for... what? What is that? $6.99 six
5: ninety nine per month.
4: Six nine six hundred six ninety nine six pounds and nine nine six pounds 99 a month, oh. a Governor. You'll be it's well not, shocked at that <laughs> price too. Let me tell you that.
2: There, yeah, there you go. Yep, uh, yep. Per annual or sixty nine ninety per annual in the UK after a free seven day trial. In total, Paramount Plus will launch in the UK with more than eight thousand hours of content. Paramount Plus will also launch on Sky platforms. UK, Ireland, Italy, Germany, and Austria in 2022. Sky Cinema subscribers will get the bonus of Paramount Plus included at no extra cost. Paramount Plus will also be in South Korea in June with further launches planned in Italy, Germany, France, Switzerland, and Austria in the second half of the year. Additionally, in 2023, Paramount Plus will launch in India in partnership with Viacom. And we've been saying this for a while, guys um international licensing just takes a while it's a little bit more complicated but i'm so glad that so many of our listeners will get the opportunity to enjoy paramount plus and the ever-growing expanse of star trek paramount plus viewing which we get to see live i mean uh new star trek every thursday night so welcome to the paramount plus family everybody and uh charles
5: you've got our last one Gates McFadden gives an update on awesome TNG reunion of season three of Star Trek Picard. Gates McFadden played Beverly Cusher for six of the seven seasons of Star Trek Next Generation and all four of the TNG movies. She will join co-stars LeVar Burton, Michael Dorn, Jonathan Frakes, Marina Sirtis, and Brett Spiner in the season three, in season three of *Card*, reuniting, reuniting with their former captain Sir Patrick Stewart. Principal photography on season three wrapped up in March. But so is still working, giving uh, giving an update today on Twitter, revealing she just finished her ADR, They're known as additional dialogue replacement, for the season. She also cheers on executive producer and showrunner Terry Metallus, saying it looks awesome. McFadden also indicates that she might be in more than just six episodes the 10-episode season in season three. And Metalis shared with a funny gif which backs up that hint. It will be Metallus. Who came up with the idea of bringing back the TNG cast for what he calls a proper send-off? The executive producer actually stepped back during the latter half of Card Season Two, so we could focus on Season Three as the sole showrunner. Wow! And if you're trying to figure out the ADR, two guys from Voy well explained it. If you're acting and it's difficult to hear your voice, we go with ADR to go in solo and do your voice, re-recording your voice so your voice is clear. That's what we do with ADR.
2: And uh, that wraps up this segment, guys, but don't touch that dial. When we come back, we're going to dive headfirst into the Star Trek Picard Season 2 finale Farewell. Don't touch that dial.
10: (laughs) Trek Talking. All things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 730 to 930, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking. Boldly going wherever your mind is willing to go.
2: And we're back. And every week on our Facebook page, I ask you guys, our fans, what you thought about this week's episode. I give you guys a chance to have some input and uh, I tally up those scores and uh, we read some of them off on the air. So, Eric, what did our Facebook fans have to say about the season two finale of Star Trek Picard?
1: Well, Jim, it is not a sad story. Mark Newstrom gave it a 10. He said, uh, hit on all cylinders with this episode with a good setup for season three. One scene was particularly excellent. I can't give anything away. I am, however, reminded of a life from the program, uh, a line, excuse me, from the program, the Vicar of Dibley episode engagement. Oh, for heaven's sake, just kiss. (laughs) Smiley face and heart. Thanks, Mark. Uh, Ryan Dragas said, whatever issues the rest of the season had, the finale was a complete 10. Seeing Willigan was awesome. The hug between Q and Picard had me cutting onions. And I'm actually really excited about Jurati's new benevolent Borg Grace. I want to talk more about that tonight, Ryan. James Brooks gave it a 10. I love it. To me, even though there would be another season, this is bittersweet. I watched TNG episode one with Q when I was 13, and I saw him, quote, die today. It's only a TV show, but you'll love the character so much. Ugh. James, I totally connect with that. Even the gods have favorites, one of my favorite lines as well. Tom Martin said, I virtually never give any show a 10, but I did seriously enjoy the finale and the way it left things, so I'll go for a solid 9. Eric Ramish said a 9. I liked a lot about the episode, but I did not like the fact that they made some weird quantum anomaly thingy for the Borg Queen to, quote, harmonize and defeat. This was so last second and contrived. I also didn't like how they never fully explained why Q was dying. He was an immortal being, and now, suddenly, within the space of 30-something years from meeting Picard, he's dead. Maybe I missed something regarding that. I don't like how it was executed. I did, however, love the ending scene between Q and Picard with the hug. So Eric gave it a 9. Martin Green gave it a 10. I thought it was all brought together brilliantly. Steve Everett said, I'm being picky but not a 10, so I'll give it a 9.5. Some transitions between scenes could have been better. I already anticipated the end by the end of episode four, Guardian at the Gate. The resolution was just too neatly done, and with all the happy endings, but, yeah, I enjoyed it. When Renee dashes out, poisoned, and says, Jean-Luc, I had it figured out, and that was actually tailored. Oh, excuse me, spoiler alert, whoop, the final scene with JL and Q, for some reason, that one hurt. You're my friend, thanks, Steve. Jackie Lowell McKinstry gave it a 10 with three exclamation points. Hubs and I both kept saying, how
6: great is that?
1: Loving the twists and turns. Q and Will, so fun. Neil Ward also gave it a 10. It was a treat to see Will Wheaton as the Traveler. Lots of nice closure on a number of levels. And top fan Cliff Van Oostrom, said, just like the whole season, that averages out, folks, to a fan score on this episode of 9 and that is quite respectable. Uh, in the lexicon of Picard episodes, that's uh, second highest. Basically, uh, we rated Penance at 9.4. We rated Stargazer Episode 1 at 9.5, so only slightly higher. But it, uh, it's right up there. The fans love this one.
2: Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about it. You guys ready?
1: Let's do it. want to talk
2: a little yep. bit about it? So uh, yeah. let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about about uh, the, the Borg Jardy guarding the temporal rift. Um, mm-hmm. I don't yeah. you know. So, it, Jim, this was, this
1: was something that we, like, talked about right from episode one, right? We said, gosh, I hope they do something different with the Borg. I hope this isn't just, like, the Borg coming in being the mean Borg anymore. And, like, how many times have we seen that? And they did. They brought it full circle, and it was something new. And I do want to be clear, because I think some folks, particularly on our Facebook page, have been a little confused. I th- it's clear to me, at least, and I want to hear your guys' opinions as well, that Girati says very clearly that her strain of Borg is a different strain of Borg. He's like, do we have anything to worry about? And she says something like, not from us. So I don't think any of this stuff that happens with Girati changes any of the Borg stuff that's happened in the past or anything like that. We've got a new race of benevolent Borg here, <laughs> the gerada Borg, and uh, and I just love it. I, I don't know what that big old laser that they were defending against was. It had me uh, giving off vibes of Doomsday Machine, but, uh, but yeah, I love huh. that there's a separate kind of uh, race of Borg right now.
2: Well, could the, could I, I, the thing that I thought – go ahead, David.
1: I was, I was going to
3: say, um, the board that we saw in Picard was the board that they um, encountered in that Q universe. Yeah. And I was wondering, are there two separate board factions now? Because yes. one board came back with them. Yes. And there was another board that was still kind of, you know, I don't know if they got destroyed or not, but it just makes me wonder if there's two separate board queens out there.
1: Yeah, there's your standard Borg, and then there's the Gerota Borg, and they are separate hives. Awesome. Cool.
2: Yeah, there's different. There's I I thought what I really liked about it, what made it, it was a feeling so Star Trek is that the Borg are the enemy. They're they're the mortal enemy. Right. They're, they're such an enemy that that Picard was willing to destroy the ship and kill everybody just to stop the Borg. That's right. what kind of a threat they are. And guess what? Your enemy can be your friend. And that's the message behind Star Trek right there. And so the fact that, that well, I think it helped that Girardi was the queen too. Oh, you know what? Let's talk about that for a minute. I don't know if it's just me or not, but was that CG on her face? Did that look, well, am I the only one that thought that looked kind of cheesy and stupid?
1: Do you because mean the kind of look of the new Borg that kind of looks like a printed circuit board on their face almost? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that look. Yeah, I dig it, it's man. Just... I dig, I like, honestly, I love that the Borg aren't just dudes with, like, big old clunky things over their eyeballs anymore. I like this kind of, like, ooh, there's, like, some secret circuitry underneath their skin or something. So I think their look looks really cool, um, personally. I don't know. I think it's neat. It didn't look as
2: good as the Borg Queen that we saw up to that point. I I, I didn't think it they look like a like a like a CGI overlay that someone did on their laptop computer, at least to me anyways. Well
1: it's it a didn't different look, kind of look. right. We haven't seen that look before. Yeah, the first time we see that very look is different. when she assimilates her um her dudes there with the guns, uh, and, and, you know, we see the, one of their faces transform into that printed circuit board kind of look. So it is different.
2: It's very different, very very different. So I, I just thought uh, it's a big difference yeah,
5: from all the hoses,
1: that right? The body, the, the bad cable management.
5: <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but I, I thought it was great that the board uh, that the Borg jarty actually uh, joined the Federation, and, and they're not the big enemy anymore. But she did have four hundred years in the past to perfect her her skills, I guess you can say.
1: Well, and Jim, I think the best, like personally, the best thing about that, um, the, the way they resolved that plot line to me was that the message, like in episode one, you're kind of getting this message that, oh, here come the Borg. We're not supposed to trust them again, you know, and it's just this kind of tired old message. And it's really nice that they did something different in the end because I – if they had literally just gone back to exactly the same thing where the border evil, evil, evil all the time, I would have just, like, the season would have not been a total waste to me, but that particular plot line be, would have felt completely unresolved to me. So I really like where they took it. I think that was important yeah. to do that.
2: Yeah, I I, I completely, completely agree. And uh, something else, I wanted to talk, let me see, what what. yeah, I guess I'll go right down the list in order. Another one of the things that I really liked was, uh, let's talk about it. The Q Picard moment. Uh, One of the things about this episode that just, that I just loved my wife, even she loved it as well is Q because to me, this episode wasn't just about Picard learning a lesson, but Q also learned a lesson because in the beginning, I think that q was was wanted to take the card down with him, like if I'm gonna go down, you're going down because he goes and he sets this whole thing up, he goes to see soon kill you know set this whole thing up as the episode goes on and Q gets closer and closer to his impending demise, his outlook on on life changes like I think so many so many peoples do when they are on their deathbed, and he has the revelation as well. The same thing with Picard where he doesn't want to die alone. He doesn't want Picard to die alone. He doesn't want to die alone either. And that's where, where if Q had learned that lesson years ago, maybe things would have turned out different. But he learns it at the end. And when, and when Picard says to him, you're not alone and hugged him, Oh my God. I just, it was, it was oh. incredibly
4: powerful. It really, really Whoa. was. You know, I, this is the part of the episode I was actually wanting to most talk about. Uh, I'll be honest, right? I mean, uh, there's a lot of stuff about this season, to more, especially on the second half of this season, that did not work for me, right? I don't really want to spend time focusing on what didn't work for me and be negative. What I'd really like to focus on is what did. And that is John Delancey, and the the charisma and the the character and uh, and just the rapport that he has with Patrick Stewart. Those scenes in this last episode were just uh, just phenomenal, and uh, any any stuff that I had been, you know, uh, it just brought me right back because it's just the the way they did the their their hug the way it was timed with the music. It it was, you felt like you almost, you know, eavesdropping on the two actors and not just, you know, the characters, right? Because it seemed like it was also a bit like their relationship as workers seemed to come across through that as well. And it was just, uh, it was an incredibly super sentimental and super touching moment when Q says to Picard, see you out there. I mean, that that's like, the, at the end of life, that's the epitaph right there. I mean, I, I can think of no other more moving phrase to end up on a tombstone of a god than that. So just the idea of, you know, there's a beyond, beyond this, and none of us know what that is. But I'll see you out there. And I just thought that was a, a pretty powerful moment. But uh, John Delancey is just, I, I just think he's been just flawless. Um, so whatever... Uh, I would welcome any plot twist someone cares to write where Q is not dead when he actually just keeps <laughs> coming back and and well, uh, and bringing us more because he is just such a, 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 a just splendid actor and uh, you can see the the friendship uh, and the regard that not just the characters have for each other but the uh, but the actors and so for me that was just the the highlight moments of the whole episode was just these, the scenes that they had there together. And it just was super charming and and moving.
1: Yeah. And Paul, the real real magic, I think of the whole Q uh, line throughout this entire episode is that they took us literally on a journey over the last several episodes, but particularly culminating in this one of grief with Q So remember his very first uh, reaction to kind of learning what was happening to him several episodes ago was was shock and denial, right? He's like, no, this, you know, I snap my fingers and nothing happens. What's, What's happening? And so once that happens, then he starts laying into Picard. And, you know, we, I think what we saw was a little bit of Picard having, or excuse me, q having a very human reaction to this idea of grief, because after he goes through the denial of it, then he goes through the pain and the guilt of it and the kind of like anger part of it, and just you know and he lashes out and he lashes out at Picard um at the very beginning of the of the season here. Uh, and You're saying he he's
4: puts, going through like the kubler Ross stages.
1: He is. Death, he's totally right? stepping anger, denial, bargaining, season. depression, acceptance. That's right. And as and as we go throughout the season, we're seeing his character go through all of those things. And wow. finally, at the end here, he finally goes through that acceptance and hope sort of sort of side of things. And and that message that you guys were just talking about of the see you out there, you know, that's that's a very like that's a very human reaction to. To grief and 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 Q is not only grieving his own death because this is the first time that we kind of see him not maybe the first time it's the first time we see him really solid, solidly step outside of only thinking about himself. Yeah, right. And
4: there's just, you know, there's, there's probably I mean, the, the other line he had that I just don't think if I think it's like if you're at the end of your life as a person. Right. I, I don't know that you can hope for anything greater than to have somebody look at you and go, you matter. Yeah, you matter. You matter to me. To me. I think that's yeah. such a fundamental thing that we all. That, that's really all, the, the stuff that we're always racing around acquiring, and the activities we we you know engage in. It's all just you know ephemeral nonsense. At the end of the day, that's what that's what you want. You want to feel that you matter to another person. And I just think that that was just the for him to say that like that, it was just like, that that is a powerful connection. And I thought it was really quite lovely the way that that was uh, depicted. I couldn't agree with you more. Well, it, it was the way, it was the way he,
2: he, he caressed Picard. Like, like you might, your, your favorite pet.
4: Yeah. And
2: he was so sincere and so, so, so heartfelt. And, and, and you could feel the emotion there. It was, it was just a beautiful moment, and it was perfectly, perfectly acted. The music cues were 100% on. And, it, and, and actually, I expected Picard to hug him at that point, but they held off on it till a little bit later,
1: and but that's still, okay. Picard still has not shed a tear. It's driving me nuts. He's going through you all know, of this, and he still hasn't shed a tear.
2: It was just perfect, 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 perfect. And, and that's why I wanted to start off with that. But uh, it, as a parting gift, Q tells Rafi, he's got one more surprise for you, which he does. He brings Elnor back, which which was great, I thought. Uh, granted, Elnor won't be in season three, okay, but we did get to see the reunion with him and Rafi. In the, so, at the end of this
1: season? so didn't there have to be a better way? This is—I'm just going to complain about this one thing. And I swear to God, I love this episode. This is like a 9.5 for me. But, but let me just complain about this one thing. All of the time that they spent having the special moment between hologram Elnor and Rafi, and all of the complications that that actually brings up with regards to holograms knowing what people are thinking and da 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 da. Why couldn't they just have waited until? Q brought him back and then had that special moment with Rafi. Why did it have to happen right then in the story? I think that was a big mistake. Carry on.
2: (laughs) I I also wanted to mention the fact that uh, at the end of the episode, Picard gets back together with Laris, which, again, comes full circle, which I thought was great that Laris was packing up the the vineyard and getting ready to leave and go off on her own adventure. And uh, you know, Picard gets together with her and says, well, let's, let's give this thing a shot, which is something that Jean-Luc has never done through all the years of Star Trek. He's never allowed himself to have that vulnerability with another person as, he's, as he did with Laris. And I thought that was a, a great, a great uh, moment for this character. And another thing that I liked is when Q says to Picard, you put the key back. In the hole in the wall there you could have destroyed it you could have hidden it so that your future self other self didn't find it and those events never happened but you didn't you accepted it and I thought that was a great a moment which is also very fitting for Picard because he's accepted the man that he is and the man that he will be and he doesn't want to change yep. that
1: and because Jim when you I chase, think that and Jim, you know. I just think that that is like the main lesson that I think we're getting out of Picard. You know how we always talk about Star Trek being a moral play. I think that the, the lesson of, of, of Picard is that it really makes sense to accept who you are, where you've been, where you've come through, the trials that you've endured to make you the person that you are today, right? I think that it's, a, it's about teaching us not to live with regret, and to actually accept those things and love ourselves in spite of the mistakes that we've made.
2: Yes. Because in the, epi- in the episode tapestry, when Q gave Picard the opportunity to change the past and he changed it. it yeah.
1: he. What happened?
2: Well, it, 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 <laughs> right. It, it didn't, didn't work out. out the way he thought. Okay. So he asked Q to go back and set things the way they were. So, you know, again, it's, it goes back to a lesson that we learned um, in a previous episode <laughs> and um i also want to talk about Rios what a great character Rios was and uh we i asked David this very question last week on the podcast i said david do you think rios is going to pull a star trek 4 a reverse star trek 4 and stay behind and david what 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 did he do
3: he stayed behind
2: he stayed behind. And what do you think, David? Was that the right choice?
3: Um, well, I think since a lot of people of this season probably wasn't going to be making it back to season three, I think it might have been a good choice to just say, okay, let's just go ahead and, you know, remove a character that wasn't going to be returning. So I don't know if they made that decision before they put that into the script or what, but... Yeah, uh, I, I don't know, I mean, it was a pretty okay decision on my end for them, to sh- him to stay behind, but I don't know, what do you guys think?
2: You know, I think that he has that little, in the beginning he, he tells Teresa that he never had a father, As he, you know, his father was never around, he never had a father figure, but he looked up to Picard. And so uh, at the end he tells Picard that, you know, Picard has taught him all this and he wanted to model himself. After Picard, he looked up to Picard as a father figure and blah, 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 and he decided to stay behind, which 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 I thought was great for the character, but it, it, now it gets confusing. No, it's okay. So,
1: it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, man, so, because they live in the 21st century, and so it, Rios uh, and Teresa may or may not have children in the future. They don't necessarily have to have children, guys, Right. So there doesn't have to be but, any, like timeline shenanigans here.
2: But did he stay? But did he, he 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 stayed behind in the altered Q verse, or did he stay behind in the corrected prime time verse? Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, I've, I've
1: come to, um, to have a slightly go ahead, Charles. I'll let you take this one.
2: He came in
1: the he
5: came in the prime timeline because Guinan is back there, and Guinan talks about what happened to their past. Yeah. The guy I yeah, dealt and, with. Him. It was a, I think it you're totally right. Returned back to the prime timeline. That's right.
2: And he guy did have have a concern. picture. Yeah. Yep. I, I was just a little confused. <laughs>
1: you know. No, it's a little weird, Jim. And I think it's because what, what happened was like when, when, we, when we were shot into the Q verse, we had this concept of what was uh, happening at that time and what the actual year was. That that stuff was happening. Like, what we don't know is maybe we were seeing stuff that was not at the same time as the regular universe, but maybe in the future. Or, uh, you know, it was all these events in the past that were supposed to change things. So, I think that we, even though we were started from the Q verse, when we went back in time, it gave us the opportunity to kind of realign ourselves with the prime universe. Now, what I need to do personally is rewatch the season because I remember at the very beginning. Q talking about Jean Luc's hubris and how it's his mistakes that cause this problem, da da, 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 da da. I I haven't made that connection yet. I haven't figured out why Q shows up so pissed at Jean Luc at the very beginning of the season and how that ties into the way that the season wraps up.
5: Because I think Q yeah, might I, be blaming soon a little bit for the actions. And that nobody was able to stop him originally.
1: Oh, so in the Q-verse, it soon wasn't stopped. So, uh, well. Soon interesting. It wasn't stopped. Huh.
5: They, she, didn't, she didn't make it to Saturn. She uh, soon
1: became
5: popular, and I think we brought back
1: the eugenics wars. But what, But what decision of Picard's was it that prevented that from happening?
5: Prevented him from stopping the discovery, which helped the future. If so, she didn't go to Saturn, she would not have made that discovery. That would have helped the future.
1: So, so what I'm so so that has to do with Laris, right? Because uh, the board queen's prophecy no, not, has. Go ahead.
5: No, we're dealing with the fact that I can't think of her name. Picard went to Saturn found a discovery and we make note that she brought this back and Rios's son made a big accomplishment because she brought back this element.
1: Right. But at the beginning of the season, Q is, is yelling at a card for having been the one that caused the problem. So what, so specifically, what decision of Picard's was it, of Jean-Luc Picard's was it, that made things happen differently? I understand that, you know, Talon, there had to be two, and Talon had to be killed, and we had to get them out there, and all those things had to happen. But what, specifically, what decision was it? That's what didn't track for me, was I didn't, I was not, I feel like I need to rewatch the season because I was not able to connect.
5: I wonder if they had, I wonder if there's a timeline where they did go back and one time where they did fix it, and one time where they didn't fix it.
1: Right, but I'm just curious as to what that decision it, point did. was, because what what Q says at the beginning of the season is something, I can't remember the exact words, but it's something like Jean-Luc's arrogance or his, no, it's it's like fear of fear or something, or his, ah, oh, man, i got to go back and watch it and find out what the exact words were. I but think it's Picard died, and so that's what changed the future.
2: Yeah, I think it's. I think I think it's because Picard self destructs. Think about if if Picard had blown up the ship, oh, then the giant
4: okay. the giant
2: thingy mobber okay. that came through space, the Borg wouldn't have been there to assimilate the shields of the of the fleet to stop the the thing, which would have wiped out all life in the uh, in the Alpha so Quadrant the or whatever. So
1: the decision was the decision to trust the Borg or not. That was the right. decision. Right. That was okay. the decision. I can but, see that. But, but I want to so, go back to this
5: thing, because there was there a was the line in here that I loved. I had to write it in my journal. Rio says, time is a funny thing. <laughs> and she replies, yes, it is. I love <laughs> that you. line. Yeah, totally. I love it because that is time is a funny thing. And Rio so the- changed his time schedule to a different life. And for, I think for him a much better life. So I've got I've got a couple more points
2: that I want to make on this episode, and then we're going to talk about Strange New Worlds. The the, the biggest and best, I think, Wesley Crusher. Come on. <gasps> who who
1: was expecting yeah. that? Well, really? we remember, guys. We talked about it. And we're like, oh, they've got to find a way to bring it back, and then they did. And I was like, I literally exclaimed out loud when I saw that. I was like, oh my god, it's Wesley!
2: Yeah, I thought that was great.
5: Well, that when Wesley I, came back, <laughs> when I saw when I saw pictures of him in his trailer, I just assumed that was season three. I mm. didn't realize that was this episode. Mm. And when, yeah. Oh, that was this episode. And literally, he comes back back. literally as himself.
2: Yep, it was it was. I was really surprised and happy. But he wasn't wearing
3: glasses. I
2: I don't understand though the connection. uh, Why he took Corey to become a a traveler? They didn't make that clear, but
5: they didn't. They didn't want her to left in that time period. She's she's probably going to create a paradox for her being in that time period. If they take her out of it, she won't influence that time period. Right. Yeah, I, read, I sort a, of read a, it. She is a remnant. I think truly she is a remnant of the huh? eugenics era. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's what yep. I was gonna say, Charles. I feel like that's something that they they hinted at in this episode, right? They show the the dossier that has the 1996 date on it, but we don't yep. really know how Picard is handling the eugenics wars right now. And so I kind of liked that they pulled her out of it. And to me, yeah. it was clear that they that that she's just super brilliant. And so the fact that Wesley, you know, as a traveler, recognized that, which is how the original traveler recognized him. I, I just thought it was a nice kind of handing off of the baton to the most logical character uh who could receive it on the show. Yeah. I, I, I didn't I, fa- I
5: think where she can be better helping time.
2: Yeah. I uh th- the other thing I wanted to mention was Adam soon pulling out the con file. Yeah. So okay, so, so so we know that there is a descendant of Khan on Strange New Worlds, right? We all know this. It's which not a secret. Is that,
1: which, re, which, reminder, is way, way, way before Picard, right? Uh, yes, but, but,
2: yep. but they don't do anything accidentally or by mistake. Nothing. Everything they do is planned out. So he pulls out the file on Khan, and that's it. That's the end of the story. He just pulls it out, looks at it and they move on to the next scene. What do you guys think the relevance of that is?
5: Uh I David and I got into a conversation of that last night because as I watched the re, 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 re repeat, for me I went back and said, okay, what's significant about that date? And hitting memory alpha in nineteen seventy six was the launch of the ss bounty Bay. Botany that is Bay. when the ship launched and that's when the eugenics war basically came to an end 96 not 96,
4: 96.
2: Right. so
5: so to answer
2: that question i just on your on your request while i was laying around with my covid i happened to watch those three enterprise episodes today right i watched i watched borderland the Augments and Cold Station 12. And in that episode, well, I can't believe I just watched it today. That's why I know this, or it never would have dawned on me. In this episode, Soon has an argument with uh, the, the leader of the Augments because the leader of the Augments wants to go out and find the Botany Bay and Khan and, and wake him up and start a new dawn of terror, basically. And Soon says to him, that's a myth that that is a total myth.
0: Yep. That
2: ship it never launched. It was just yep. a myth to make the people of Earth feel comfortable that he was gone. It never happened and, and we're not gonna go after because it it's not real.
0: Thank That's you, what Enterprise. he says.
2: That's what he <laughs> says in the episode. You guys can go back if Tell anyone's you, bro, listening
5: and does Enterprise
2: go Enterprise back all around. And watch <laughs> it. It he Soon yep. says that. Not exactly in those words, but basically that's what he says. No, it's more a myth. About, yeah. It's yeah. a legend. It never happened. He's not out there. Done. End of story. So, you know, take that and have the whole how time. Why line. not?
1: So just because Khan says he – like Khan says in Wrath of Khan that he was launched in 1996, but he doesn't – like – he's got a lot of incentive for providing false information, right? Khan is a manipulator. That is his thing. He manipulates people. So there's no way you can trust anything that guy says.
2: And, and also uh, in the TOS assignment earth, which we reviewed on our, our uh, cadet training and several times on Picard, uh, it stated that the records of those times were very muddy at best. And not to be trusted. So, so many fans out there, particularly Strange New Worlds, which we're going to talk about next. A lot of the gatekeepers are up in arms because the dates don't line up and blah, 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 blah. Well, you know what? Yeah. The dates aren't exact. And they've said this numerous times through the various Star Trek shows that the, the dates, that's why the Enterprise went back in assignment Earth to try to clarify some of that. Because the records were destroyed, they were lost, they weren't accurate. So let's not get hung up on, well, the eugenics wars was in 1996 because that's when Khan launched. But on this episode, it's, it's 2002 or whatever. Let's not get hung up on the exact dates because they're, they're muddy. Let's just talk about the events themselves, what caused the events and the outcome of the events, and not get hung up on the particular dates. And want, Jim,
1: so. it's it's hard for folks because Star Trek takes place over hundreds and hundreds of years. And I do think that people sometimes have a hard time keeping track of timelines and, and durations of things. So you're talking about muddied timelines. What's the distance between 1996 and 2024? It's only 28 years. And when you look back at history, like when you were sitting in Western Civ in high school – what 20 year period of time did you study? You didn't study a 28-year period of time. You studied like, okay, this happened from like hundreds to this hundreds, right? So there's a lot of information that's out there in the past that people can't pin down to exactly when it happened. And so to me, there have been no inconsistencies in Picard with regards to the eugenics wars at all.
2: Yeah, I just wanted to, because I just watched that episode today and he says that. The other, I love other that you brought that up. That's so cool. Yep. Uh, we're going to go over a little bit, but that's okay because Strange New World, there's a lot to talk about, but there's just two more points I want to make about Picard, and then I want to get our scores. The first one, <clears throat> I need to get a, a drink here real quick. We
0: need some of that the water. I'm trying to, make, make, it through
2: through I'm trying to make it through this, guys. First of all, <laughs> I want right. to say uh, Seven <laughs> and Rafi oh my god thank you it's about time it's just it's about time i was so happy when that happened i was like i put it up on our facebook page and all the neckbeards came out that turned that that caused a giant (laughs) a humongous rigmarole in the world of star trek and i can't believe how many you know homophobic racist sexist bigoted people are out there calling themselves a star trek fan it blows my mind but the thing I liked about it was, through the whole episode, they're bickering like an old married couple.
4: Yeah, you would totally. never
2: know. And blah blah <laughs> blah blah blah. blah. They're, and, and they never actually connected. Or the last episode, I thought maybe they would, but they didn't. And they saved it to this one. And, and I just thought it was it was so well done and well handled, and it, it cemented the whole point together of what happened at the end of season one. And I just wanted to. Congratulate Picard for actually doing that, and a lot of fans have brought up, oh, well, we've seen a lesbian kiss before on Deep Space Nine. We did not. No, no, we did not. No, Dax is not. Dax is not, and I'm not. I don't want to get into the whole, but Dax has a symbiote inside of her. Uh, Jadzia is physically a female, but the symbiote is asexual. And the fact that she had a relationship with this other female at another point in time is not a homosexual or a lesbian relationship at all. This is just the symbiont's uh, knowledge of this other person and not Jadzia Dax's knowledge of that person. It's completely different and it's totally out of context when people keep saying that. It's not a lesbian. It was not a homosexual kiss in any way, shape, or form. Okay. No, it wasn't. This was cut and dry, done. Stamp of approval, move on, over. So there's that. And the last thing I wanted to mention was that Seven becomes the captain of the Stargazer. How cool is that? They wouldn't let her into Starfleet because she was a Borg. Captain Picard puts her in command. She makes the right decision, and now she's the captain of the Stargazer. And I thought that was was really good for that character and it was a great a great way to end that episode. It's a great right, thing you
3: made a right decision, otherwise Q would've had to come back all over again. Yeah, you would have had to come back
2: and fix everything,
3: uh you know.
2: <laughs> fix it all. So anyways, uh, that's everything I wanted to mention about Star Trek Picard. Uh the season finale farewell. Our fan score was nine point four and let's start off with you with uh <clears throat> we'll start off with Paul. Paul, 9.4 for the fans. Are you with them?
4: Uh, no, uh, I probably am not. Um, are we judging just this last episode or the whole season?
2: Yes. No, just the episode.
4: Um, and I, I actually, let me just say I had a better reaction to it on a second viewing. Um, <laughs> so, um, I would say averaging it all out, I would, I would give it a seven. For everything, you know. I, I think a seven is fair. A seven? All right. How about you,
3: David? Sorry, I was on mute. Um yeah. <laughs> Um I'm probably gonna have to give this episode a for the whole episode oh
1: boy. Um okay I'm just gonna go with my gut. I'm gonna say seven.
2: A seven? Alright. How about you, Eric?
1: Uh, I'm going to rate this one higher. I liked this episode quite a bit, uh, and I didn't find too many flaws with it, so I'm going to give it a 9.
2: A 9. All right. How about you, Charles?
5: I think with Leslie Crusher and how they solved some of these issues, I'm going to agree with the fans. I'll give it that 9.4.
2: Yep, and I'm I'm right there with you. I'm going to go at 9.5. I just just on John Delancey and Patrick Stewart's awesome acting in, in that final scene. It just wrapped everything up in a nice, neat bow and made me bawl like a baby. I loved it. <laughs> Absolutely loved it. Just wow. Blew my mind. All right, guys. So that wraps it up. Our fans gave it a 9.4. You heard what our scores were. And we're going to talk about Strange New Worlds in a second. So don't touch that dial.
10: Trek Talking, all things Star Trek and beyond. Thursday night, 7.30 to 9.30, all hailing frequencies are open. iTunes, iHeart, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, and wherever fine podcasts are found. Trek Talking, boldly going wherever your mind is
2: willing to go. Okay, and we're back, and we're going to talk about Strange New Worlds pilot episode, Strange New Worlds. As I said, we always ask the fans, you guys, to score the episode. Sorry, I need a drink of water. I'm fading fast here, but the show's almost over. And uh, I collect those scores and give them out just like I did for Picard. And Paul, you get the honor of reading our fan scores for Strange New Worlds. So take it away, buddy.
4: All right, baby, I'm super excited, and here we go. On a score of 1 to 10, with 10 being the best, what score would you give the premiere of Strange New Worlds? Chris Trone says, 10 out of 10, most Trek-like Trek I've ever watched. Mark Newstrom, 10, even if folks have nits to pick, I don't care. What an excellent way to start the series. Johann Cloutier-Trudeau, 10. Love all the characters. This is going to be a great series. Carrie Patricia McDougal, 10. And it's the first episode, so here's hoping for a good series just like the old days. Hal Thomas, 9. If I rewatch it, The score will rise. Very rich visual and dramatic texture. Hard to take in everything with one viewing. Aaron Aiken says a solid nine, but I'm pushing it to 10 for no reason other than they stay true to their word and appear to have gone episodic. I love the idea of being able to rewatch Trek shows without having to make a major commitment to a season. Standalone stories are excellent. and I also look forward to more. It also means that meh endings, a curse on Kurtzman and company won't hurt as much. Ten episodes of Picard season two, and they somehow managed to make the end clunkier than season one. Aaron, what do you really think? John McCant uh, says 9.5. Not perfect, but almost perfect. And top fan Chad Taylor says a solid 10. But wait, there's more. Bridget Kelso, 10. Absolutely loved it. And John Forbes, 10. Loving Nurse Chapel already. So I am going to use the mighty awesome power of mathematics and science to give you a combined aggregate score of all of our fans. Hold on. It's like pushing out a diamond. Oh, 9.8, friends. 9.8 overall fan score. It seems to me people love Strange New Worlds. They don't like it. They love it.
2: Absolutely. And I'm looking back here. Uh let me see. Did anything else score that high?
5: Uh Discovery season three, season four finales. That's it. Oh
2: yeah, that hope is you part two got a nine point nine.
5: And yep. so did okay. That and coming home.
2: Right. And Prodigy, Prodigy, uh, Moral Star Part 2 got a 9.7.
0: Yeah,
2: so that's one of our highest scores. Yeah. Wow. Incredible.
5: You know why?
1: Fans love it. Of course I know why, but I want to hear what you have to say about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you why,
4: because it freaking rocks, okay? It is absolutely a dynamite. First couple of episodes to the series. I, I mean, all the series have their pluses. They all have their things that they do. They all have their stylistic. There are many flavors of ice cream in the giant freezer that is the Star Trek universe, right? But this one harkens back to the you know the, the original molten core, right? Of of where Star Trek comes from, and I for a lot of fans have been pining away for a return to that dynamic of of where it all came from that that love letter to the core being on the enterprise being with spock where where things have evolved we're not even in the the twisty permutations that happened when they started making them the movies with the original cast this feels like old school and it feels like they really thought it through and and uh and uh and really tried to do it with a lot of reverence right everything's updated and more modern looking as it should be right but but it has great fealty and there's a million little grace notes that seem to echo and pay uh really respectful homage to the way things were in the original show to the interior of the turbo lift to the interior of the the way the shuttle craft is designed all these different things right But for me, it just, I mean, I could go on and on and on, friends. But but the the two main things, why you got all these tens here, is they focused on the most important elements of putting together a TV show that's going to last and spend the test of time. And those two elements are writing and casting. So far, the writing has been fantastic, really crisp, engaging, uh, fun, I can't. You can't emphasize fun enough, right? I mean, not that this is a comedy, but they clearly are trying to make it so that it's not some pedantic slog, right? That their characters are fun and you get to know them and they're human beings with personalities and they cast the show accordingly. All these characters are great. We were talking a few episodes ago about how savvy the marketing was where you got a little 30-second glimpse at each of the characters, right? And they felt like, oh, wow, really distinctive and and well put together. And it's like, this is a, a person, right? And it's like, you get it. They all have characteristics. And I, I've watched the first two episodes. Now uh, the first episode, I've seen, I think like you, Jim three times already. Right. And I am entertained and notice more every time I, uh, for me, this is like, you know, the world series home run. I am thrilled with what they've done so far.
2: Well, I had a couple of points I wanted to make uh, the opening music. And the dialogue with Pike reading Space, The Final Frontier, was awesome. Uh, Samuel Kirk, uh, who we meet in this episode, he dies in the TOS episode, Operation Annihilate, which I just watched today. We see the USS Archer. And what makes that unique, I'll, I'll swing around to David to talk about that in a second. But the thing I wanted to talk to you about was the way Pike was living. He was living in a log cabin. He had a rotary corded phone. Uh, He was cooking on cooking utensils, Uh, you know, no no replicators. He was physically cooking on a stove with a flipper, making pancakes and cracking eggs. And he had a flat
5: screen TV
2: on the wall in his log cabin, and he was watching classic black and white sci-fi. And what was (laughs) he
4: watching, Paul? Oh, ho, 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 ho. the holiest of holies, my friend, the great Michael Rennie in "The Day the Earth Stood Still," uh, a movie that that really no, 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 stop, no. God! Sorry, the dog jumped over everything. Sorry, guys, live live radio. We'll do that. Good gravy. Sorry about that. Um, no, it's it's the, the themes from that movie echo all through this episode and the most important touchstone perhaps of all i mean beyond that is the fact that uh day the earth stood still was directed by the great robert wise who directed let me hear you say it in unison friends star trek promotion picture picture thank yep. you thank you i mean it's a love letter to that but i mean thematically that's what that pilot episode is all about basically it's not he's they're not just there to deliver that message to the people on the planet hey you know the way you're going you're going to destroy yourself and i think you're going to do it right that message is delivered to us to the audience right who frankly really need to hear it right now so absolutely uh, and that's what Clatoo was was talking about in that classic movie and if there's anybody in this audience who has not seen the day of the earth so is still wow just drop what you're doing. It's one of the greatest science fiction movies of all time. Michael Renny has that monologue at the end. It's like an eight-minute monologue where he basically tells the entire planet, you better play nice and clean up your mess or you're going out with the trash. It's, it's so great, man. So I mean, as soon as I heard that first line of dialogue, Jim, I was just like, oh, my God, it stayed there, it's been still. And yep. I had a big grin on my face. And guess what? That grin stayed there for the entire flipping episode. It never went away. Yep. And I was just yep. in complete delight at everything that they served us. Yeah, <laughs>
2: that's why I had to bring that up. And, David, you and I talked a little bit after, well, yeah, b- before last week's show. What is the relevance of the USS Archer? What makes that such a special ship to see, other than the name USS Archer? What makes that ship so unique in Star Trek? Why is it so, such a special ship to see?
3: Well, the class of the ship looked very similar to the class from the TOS. Actually, I don't even know if it was played in TOS, but it was apparently known to fans as the Saladin class, and even though this ship shown in this uh, particular episode looked a slight bit different was because that it was a lot smaller than the actual Saladin class ship, because apparently this ship only carried three people, I guess. So it was a really tiny ship.
2: Yeah. And, and it's a ship that, that Star Trek fans have heard about. and it's, We've seen it in a lot of technical manuals and, It was in the old FASA Starfleet Battles games. And uh, we actually hear in Star Trek, the motion picture, we hear them talk about Scout Fear, 528 Scout Fear, blah, blah, blah. But we never actually ever really see it until now. So it was great to see the USS Archer live and in the flesh, so to speak. Um, We get to see Enterprise and Dry Dock, which was incredibly awesome. Uh, We get to meet Robert April admiral robert april which was just wow now there's a big debate going on well i'm not going to get into that i loved robert april he was awesome spock and to pring i want to talk about this one a little bit if you guys don't mind uh yeah we're gonna go over time anyway so it doesn't matter spock and pring. now gatekeepers have been going crazy over this now I went back and watched <laughs> the mock time because I'm out with COVID and I can. I have to admit, and I also read D.C. Fontana, who wrote that episode. If you go and you look, look it up and you read, she actually says, Vulcans are like any other race. They can do it anytime they want to. They, they don't do it just once every seven years. They could do it once every seven minutes. They can do it every night. They, anytime they want to, they can do it. It, Ponfar doesn't mean that they only do it once every seven years and it was good to hear her clarify that as the writer of the episode and the one that came up with the idea okay right out of her mouth you can read that for yourself however if you're going to be a hardcore gatekeeper like so many of these fans seem to be and you go back and you watch a mock Time it's never clarified specifically in that episode what D.C. Fontana said. So I can understand how fans would think, well, they only do it once every seven years. It was in a mock time. But the difference is, I want to point out here, is that in a mock time, it was a divorce proceeding. In Strange New Worlds, it was an engagement. So we get to see them get engaged, and we get to see the uh, the cracks starting to form in the relationship that will eventually lead to praying to say I want a divorce, and this is the way Vulcans get a divorce, and that's what we see in a mock time. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit. What, what did you, did you guys have a problem with that scene?
3: No. No. No, No, I I mean, mean, uh, it's
1: it's pretty clear that Ponfar, I mean, they actually say in a muck time that Ponfar is a special time where there's like a neurochemical imbalance that happens in Vulcans and that that's what caused them to react this way. So there's not, I think, I think what we get is we get a lot of, um, a lot of folks who have kind of like seen these episodes maybe like 15, 20 years ago and they kind of remember what happens if you're a person who is on a podcast like us and you watch these episodes ridiculously over and over again, and you try and find like all the connections between things, you realize that they actually have been really good about consistency between TOS and all of the new shows right now, including this idea of Pon Far. Yes. Vulcans can mate any time, but during Pon Far, it's a time that every seven years, their neurochemical um, insides become imbalanced and and they have to mate right or or else bad things could happen and there's probably some you could even come up with some sort of evolutionary reason why that might happen so to me that's that's just some of the hard science that star trek is sort of pseudo based on i think it works
2: yeah i just i i thought it was great uh i also there was a lot of references in this episode to star trek discovery and that's something that a lot of people were complaining about but I think the references to Star Trek Discovery are extremely important and very relevant because Pike dealing with the remnants of that in, in this episode, actually, quite a bit, about the knowledge of his own death, which he finds out on Star Trek Discovery. <laughs> so how can we not talk about Star Trek Discovery and address that situation? Um, yeah, I mean, again,
1: what you know, like the rea- really? realistically what happened here was Discovery was able to provide a soft pilot for this show. So without Discovery, I think this show starts in an entirely different place and you don't understand necessarily where Pike's coming from. I mean, I think that you can kind of like understand it on a surface level. Like if you started watching this show and you hadn't seen Discovery, you'd still kind of get what's going on. But if you have seen Discovery... It adds an enormous amount of depth to this character. And so I think this show is taking off at a 9.8. I'm going to give a point and a half of that to Pike's appearance in Discovery and how he got the character started and how we know that he has knowledge of his death. And you can't just describe that. It's important that in Discovery you actually got to see that and they can go back and they can reference that footage in this pilot.
2: Yeah, I, well, I, I think it's. A, go ahead.
5: I'm gonna make a comment. I don't think we would have Strange New Worlds if it wasn't for Discovery. <laughs> Absolutely. It was Discoveries putting Pike on the ship, and that crew that had the fans saying, we want a Pike series, we want a Pike series, and Star Trek looking like. You know what? That's not a bad idea. Let's do it. I think it's the fans that made Disco- made Strange New Worlds happen, and we wouldn't so, have Strange New Worlds if we didn't have Discovery Season Two.
2: So while we're talking about Discovery references, we need to talk about we need to talk about the elephant in the room, and that is the whole premise of of uh, this planet discovering a and building a warp bomb based on the events that happened in the season two discovery finale and which was classified by the way. But even though it was classified, they keep talking about it. Like it's nothing. It's like, uh, you know, number one says to Pike, well, she's not cleared to hear this. And he says, I don't care. She can know about it. And the more people that know about it, the bigger chance you have of discovery finding out about it. I mean, um, uh, control finding out about it If Control still exists We're not sure uh, But by the end By the end of the episode How many people know about this top secret You know Situation That nobody was supposed to know about But that's not my point My point is This planet builds a warp bomb And they're going to blow themselves up and, and destroy their planet And Pike beams down to the planet Tries to straighten them out by showing them pictures of the Second Civil War, which happened in the United States, started here in the United States, which led into the uh, eugenics war and World War III, and there we have it. It was all wrapped together into one. And hey, guys, does anybody happen to notice the clips that were shown during the episode for the Second Civil War? did anyone notice what they were nobody oh totally totally yeah one of them is one
4: of them is like the 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 mock you know quote-unquote gallows right from uh from january 6th right the the hang mike pence gallows and then uh audit the vote signs i mean basically signs from from this last you know uh, most recent period of american history right and uh uh, the line I think I, a lot of folks seem to really resonate with and kind of you know chuckle uncomfortably, maybe you know, delightfully, right? Is when they're planning away and, and Pike is talking to Spock and he's just like, "Mr. Spock, do you have you ever heard of the United States of America?" <laughs> it's just like the fact that we outgrew that concept, right? And moved beyond it. It's just the uh, you know, and it it doesn't. It, when they refer to it, it's like a barbaric time, right? It's like a, a time when it, that is remembered with uh, as its violent characteristics. So I thought that was great. Well,
2: you know, people are saying Star Trek is too political and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, really? Have you ever watched Star Trek? What are you talking about? Well, this, you know, this particular episode just – Drop the hammer on all those people that want to say that because here we are, and we've talked about this in the past before Strange New Worlds, but here we are at the precipice with January 6th, and this is it right here. There, you're either with me or against me is the mentality, and that's just not the case, and that was the turning point in Strange New Worlds, which caused World War III, the eugenics war, and so on and so forth. And that's a lesson I think people need to watch. You need to open your eyes and learn. <laughs> Pay attention, people. Pay attention.
4: Uh, you know, Eric uh, Eric mentioned earlier in, this, uh, in the podcast, he referenced uh, Season 1, Original Series, right? A, a Taste of Armageddon, right? Gang, Star Trek has always been political. I mean, it, it's almost harder to find science fiction that isn't, right? I mean, but Star Trek especially has been political, and it's always been a show that's made social commentary in regardless of which of the franchises you're in. If you don't think that it has been, it just suddenly started with the Michael Burnham era. (laughs) You got to check yourself before you wreck yourself because you have not been paying attention, friend. You have not been paying attention. (laughs) And they just like, what are you, why, why are you watching Star Trek in the first place? If the idea of, a show that's making comments about politics and and the human condition, the human condition is what Star Trek is all about.
1: Yeah. I do think, think, Paul, that's an important uh, distinction there too, because people use the word political to be synonymous with the words, uh, human rights, uh, to be synonymous with a lot of different words out there. And I, I want to be careful that I think, I think, Star Trek has always exhibited a very humanist uh, outlook on life, right? The, the idea and humanism being this movement that uh, the idea being that human beings have the power to pretty much do anything they want and that uh, it is surely by the power of our own will and our own cooperation that we can actually make things happen. That to me is not a political ideal. That to me is simply looking inside ourselves and saying, what are human beings capable of? And is it worth us trying together to make the best that can possibly happen, happen? Because if it's not worth it, then the alternative is making a bunch of money off of what it is happening right now. And that is a political thing, right? Because capitalism is a function of politics. It's not a function of human rights. And Star Trek actually focuses on the human rights vision of this. Me, completely, I, com- yeah.
4: completely. And, you know, it's just like it's, it's, it's. you know, I mean, we're going to drive way off road here, but just, you know,
1: it's fine. Uh, basic it's
5: building
4: blocks, right? With, I mean, Gene Roddenberry, when he sat down and created this show, okay, very specifically, okay, look at that bridge crew, okay? You have a, uh, you know, the heroic white man, of course, because it's the 1960s, but you have a, a black person, You have an Asian person. You have a European person. You have an outsider who feels alienated, right? And then when we got into the next season, it was like expanding it more. Okay, we have to show that we can treat our enemies as friends and get past that. So they had a Russian person join the crew with Chekhov. So diversity was of, you know, absolutely deliberate, you know, bone marrow. From the very inception of Star Trek and, uh, and when people Go off railing against it As Jim was saying It's just like you're missing the point It's like you kind of have missed what this whole Thing is all about the entire time You know what do you want it to be You know but, but well, it's, me, it's a human show Let me show.
2: ask you Paul is, is, is equality Acceptance and diversity Are those political issues Or are those human rights issues I know. Those are,
4: I mean, I know the answer to that. Yeah, absolutely. Those are. Yeah. If anybody who tries to tell you that that those are political issues has unfortunately ha- managed to get indoctrinated by by, yes. by you know harmful influences, frankly, yeah. and and it's 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 the downside of spending a lot of time on the internet, right? Unfortunately, as we've seen with a lot of these influential things, and it is what the the human animal has been striving for in every culture on the planet since we were you know able to first live together amongst our fellows and not kill each other it is the idea of tolerance of acceptance of of freedom and those are not political notions no they're not they only not. become political when somebody's trying to impose their will on you and they want to see, you know, uh, a fascist or totalitarian ideology, which is basically, I will take what's yours because I want that. I mean, that's a dark side of things, unfortunately, in the human condition. But read some science fiction. Watch some Star Trek. I mean, the, these are the issues that have always been in there time and time and time again. And, it, to, and that's, it's, that's why we
2: need Star Trek more today than we ever did before.
4: Well um, said, because we've we got to get to a better tomorrow, man. We gotta have hope. And yep,
2: that's, absolutely. That's,
4: you know, regardless of what starship you're in, that is always the heading we're on. We are always so, setting, you know, the, the, our destination is a hopeful future.
2: So I wanted to mention that uh, Leon Noonan Singh's ship was captured by the Gorn and dropped on a breeding planet where, quote, the gorn split you open and eat you alive, or you become a breeding sack. <laughs> Interesting. Um, we were talking. Yeah, we were talking about that a little earlier. Uh, that puts a spin on the gorn that I never thought of. I mean, uh, but uh, but uh, the, the, you know, w- you know, whatever. They split you in half and eat you alive. Or they turn you into a breeding sack. All I could think of is aliens. where they put an egg inside of you and it hatches or something? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I thought that was, str- you know, strange. Uh, the Nurse Chapel. She's a civilian in this, in this particular episode. Uh, working for the geneticists. And she's a genetic specialist. And she's on the enterprise to do gene splicing to, to help them disguise themselves when they go amongst alien races which which is not unheard of in star trek because the klingons did that at least that was one of the explanations given why klingons on tos didn't have ridges on their head forgetting about the explanation it was given on enterprise um, that they were genetically engineered to look like humans that's what mccoy says on trouble with tribbles so uh, this is the federation version of that and i love her character and what they've done with her so far, I think she's great, and I love the white uniforms. I like how they've carried that from Discovery. I think she looks great in the white
4: uniform. Yeah, great uh, casting. We, I mean, every single actor. Yeah, excellent is just, casting. Uh, delightful. I mean, just delightful. You know, we see um, Doctor uh, Benga, so who, who's
2: really cool. <laughs> I think Uh we we don't see Hammer until the end of the episode, so. We'll have to wait to next week to, to actually meet him. But we know a little bit about him from the trailers. So we don't really get to see him. We get to meet Uhura, who I think is, is also excellent. Cadet Uhura, which is cool. Um, yeah. And, you know, number one, of course, Captain Pike, of course, Mr. Spock, of course, Ortega's. What do you guys think about her? I put a picture of her on our Facebook page. And, oh, my God, the world went crazy about that, too. But what do you think about Ortega's? You think she's pretty She's cool? rad,
4: man. She's awesome. She's she's awesome. <laughs> no, I like her. Uh, she's great, you know. I, I it's like uh, anyone's got an issue with her, come find me. Good god. I mean, it's just, you know, I think they probably when they were originally writing the character, they were probably like, oh, let's have someone like Vasquez, right? The a fiery Latina who's kind of hardcore or whatever. But she, you could tell this is an actor who took that description and said, let's go somewhere with this, and fleshed it out, made it more interesting. And you could tell she's going to do really cool things, um, giving nothing away. But she's extremely fun in uh, the second episode. You get to see more of her and what her personality is like. Um, but she's great, man. I mean, there's none of these actors that are just, you know, none of them. I mean, there's not a, no. there's not a dud in the, in the bunch i mean they're all just so so cool
2: and uh we have a caller on the line guys let me see here let me see if i can get this thing come on come there we go hey good evening thank you for calling Trek talk and what's your name and where are you calling us from tonight hello okay all right guys so uh what do we think about Strange New Worlds? The fans gave it a nine-point. I okay,
5: Jim, before you do that, I want to jump on one more topic. Not yep, quite the right. topic you were thinking of, And that's April. And I've heard a little discussion on that, but it's like, well, wait a minute. He was a Commodore back in the early series. Why is he suddenly an admiral? And I was doing a little research on that. Uh, do we have any Commodores in the U.S. Navy right now?
2: No, I, we don't. Honestly, I honestly we, don't know. We do
5: not. The rank of Commodore was removed from the military ranks in 1985. So early T- TOS and animated series, that was a common rank back then. Nowadays, we don't have Commodores anymore, so we're promoting him up to Admiral because we don't use that term anymore, and I think they decided, well, if the U.S. Navy is not using it, maybe we should be phasing it out ourselves.
4: So you're saying but it was like Commodore couple... was written at a time when it was like sort of historically... Uh, still being used, but now it's an anachronism. Exactly. So why would you even carry that over?
5: Exactly. Right. So that's, that's why a good he's point, an admiral Charles. now instead of just a commodore. That's a good point. He's just bringing it up to more to current time.
2: Right. It makes sense.
5: Yeah. Good point. My yeah. big my my point was
2: the fact that on the on the cartoon he was a white guy and now he's a black guy and that set people off all over the place too.
3: I think I got a theory for that, actually.
2: Okay, shoot, David. If
3: you look at Michael Jackson, he he had a pigment situation, so maybe his skin just turned white later, you know? That's the only explanation I could think of. Yeah, that could be. Yeah,
2: you're right. Anything is possible. I think uh, (laughs) the the, the biggest thing to remember, too, and I posted an article on our Facebook page, and here, here we go. The animated series... Is it canon? Is it not canon? Whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, Originally, it wasn't. Then it was. Then Gene Roddenberry said it wasn't. And it's gone back and forth from canon to non-canon to canon to (laughs) non-canon. I consider it canon because all the original writers worked on it. All the actors voiced it. How much more Star Trek can you get than that?
3: It's totally
2: canon. It's, it's totally canon. Been canon, and anyone so, who disagrees is out of their tree. Yeah, so you know whatever. I consider
4: it canon myself. Yeah. It's got all the original so, voice actors in there, man. Case closed. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, it's just like it's that's 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 you know that's the bloody murder weapon at the table. <laughs> it's yeah, like, yeah, that's, that's, evidence, that's the bloody, Come on, that's the bloody glove. Yeah, <laughs> that's, truly, that's truly. Glove. Uh, no. So I just, let's
2: I'm, start off, Paul. Uh, one to ten.
4: Oh, what Dude, would you I'm sorry. New worlds, the premier I I would like to evoke uh, one of the greatest bands in rock and roll history, and that would be my my friends in Spinal Tap. <laughs> okay. <laughs> because this this one goes to eleven. <laughs> okay, it's no way. I'm not giving this <laughs> thing a ten. This one goes to eleven, man. I have wanted something like this to to a core. I feel like it's a preposterous cake and eat it too scenario, man. It's like they are telling a modern story for a modern audience in an impactful and entertaining way. They're being reverential and and respectful and cool to the most primordial roots of Star Trek. I was just, and you know, it's, it is just frankly delightful. It is so fun. And, uh, and the second episode is, easily as good as the first one, if not better. And it's just and, and it's just so great. I had so much fun uh watching it and uh my, my wife completely echoed my sentiments. She was just like, Oh my God, that was just like outstanding. So I I I I I, I you know they, they gotta have at least five years in it. I mean, hopefully, you know, but uh, just just hold on to this cast, don't let them go anywhere. <laughs> right? So, <laughs> and just keep using good writers so 11 from me my friend loved it so let me ask
2: you paul it didn't bother you at all that the interiors of the enterprise didn't look like they did in the 60s that the bridge didn't look like it did in the 60s that sick bay didn't look like like mccoy's sick bay um that all the sets didn't look like they did in the 60s um, the technology didn't look like it did in the 60s like uh i disagree i I disagree
4: well the show was shot on like a shoestring budget in the 60s where they had you know duct tape and plywood to hold it together brother i mean it's a different world now i mean you've got to expand and make things more realistic for the the times you live in right it's like um should we still be using Sherman tanks when we go to war? No, because it's a different time, right? It's like things have evolved, right? It's just like everything is. But the, the point is the, the grace notes. You look at the turbo lift, okay? And it is designed, even with the handles on the side, to connote and be a modern equivalent of what they saw. Um, we just got a really good look in season, two, uh, the second episode of the inside of the shuttlecraft. And it's got those same kind of uh, spherical monitors on those arms that come out, like you see in Galileo 7. Of course, they're way more technologically advanced and shiny and modern looking, but it evokes the original design. The shuttlecraft looks like the original design, and you see that all the way through there, right? I mean, it's a, that, to, to get hung up on those kind of differences, is just nonsense, you know? You've got to get, you know, they got to make changes, evoke it, it it. Uh, it gracefully fits into the most the the modern discovery design aesthetic while being completely you know respectful and inspired by the original right down to the color of the uniforms man i it's just a a, absolutely didn't bother me the slightest all right
3: excellent how about you david one to ten what'd you give it Oh, man, I'm going to have to agree with Paul almost on every single aspect. I really want to give this more than a 10 because I actually was really looking for something episodic. I've been saying it since the beginning. I really wish that Discovery kind of went that direction, but apparently not. <laughs> My only big concern here is that since the Picard started out good, and then it kind of slowly over time, it was just dragged it on, and now it's like, ugh, I'm really hoping this doesn't do that. But like Paul said, you know, the season of uh, the episode two definitely probably was up there as well. So I really want to give this more than um, ten if I could. <laughs> and are we going to be doing it with Gorns, or have we decided? I don't know, but... Um... <laughs> Yeah, how many gorns uh, would think, you give it? Okay, how about this? Uh, I really want to give it a fifteen, <laughs> to be honest. Fifteen gorns. I'm really hoping for yeah. this kind of thing. So,
4: <laughs> all right. go, okay, man, I think you could feel really confident because when you get a cast like this together, who are these kind of actors, they're not going to sit and be content with, uh, you know, just saying, "Oh, sorry, the script sucks this year." You know, they're going to they're going to want to develop their characters. They're going to want good stories. Uh, a guy like Anson Mount is going to insist that they, you know, develop it and get good yeah. writing in there, like they are. So I think they're all going to. I think collectively this group of people is going to realize what they've got, and, uh, I, and I, I, they, I they sound proud. This, they sound proud of what yeah, they made, this, man.
3: I honestly think this series is going to go beyond seven seasons because, like Pike said, it's about a decade away. You know, mm. from what it was it, fifty-six to wherever he gets uh, in that chair. So, technically, I could see this going beyond seven seasons, like the normal Star Trek, uh, TNG, DS9, Boy, you know, all those episodes, uh, seasons are just... The, the, I really do agree. This cast is really good. I, I think they could go longer than expected. So, I'm hoping it's not going to be dragged out too long, because, you know, the longer it is, you kind of run out of ideas, but... <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, just keep, keep as long as we keep going, getting but... good writers,
4: we're okay, man. We just keep getting good yeah. writers, and uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm just going to enjoy everything I get, and uh, and uh, and just continue to uh, be delighted and surprised by it. I'm so waiting to hear Eric's review. I've just been sitting here because we haven't talked much about it, really, one to one. Eric's had like one of the worst weeks of anyone I know in like. The... <laughs> <laughs> and and then jim's like oh you think you've had a bad week okay i'm gonna get covid now watch that it's just like these two guys <laughs> these two guys have had such uh it's just remarkable what they've gone through and i got especially just before we wrap up here one point tonight i got i think everybody listening and everybody on this crew huge shout out to uncle jim because i'll tell you what Ninety nine point nine percent of other people, if they had lived the week Jim had and this felt as awful as he did today, they would not even remotely have dreamed of doing this show. But Jim is like frickin old school trooper, man. The show must go on. He is here, you know, feeling terrible. And he just soldiered through this thing. I'm just it's the most impressive thing. I mean, it's just this, this man loves the show at Star Trek. And I just it cannot not be said. Them, well, I got I've
2: got a good um I've got a good cast around me and if uh if I couldn't if I had to leave, I know they could take it over. They have before. No. You're a rock and, star, uh, Jim.
4: That's all I know. <laughs> You're a rock
2: star. And uh Charles, what do you think? 1 to 10?
5: Uh, I'm not going to quite be the same as the guys in Portland. I'm going to put it at a 9.5 only because I want to make them give me that 10. I want it to go to a point that's like, I got to give it a 10. I want them to show me that perfection. It's not that I have any quirks against what they've done. I like what they've done. I want to, I want to give them room to grow. Show me when keep it up.
2: I can relate to that. I, I, I'm gonna go with a ten because I love Anson Mount. He's like the man, and uh, I fell in love with I I fell in love with him in Discovery, and to see him have his own show and bring bring all that that he created on Discovery, along with Ethan Peck's Spock, and number one over to a new show is just. This is like the assignment Earth pilot that we that we were supposed to get in TOS. We got it in Discovery Season 2. And now we have Strange New Worlds because of it. So I'm on board 110 percent. Unfortunately, um, it is time to go. And um, we lost Eric. Um, so we won't get to hear Eric's score tonight. Eric
5: but for the evening. We lost Eric.
2: Yeah, he, he he's no, not on my bummer. switchboard. Did he
4: share his score, what his score was? No, I don't he's think not
2: he on was. my switchboard. So oh. I don't see him anymore, he but... Had, uh, he,
4: had, he said he had to go. Uh, bummer. So I, I want
2: I wanna to say... Uh, said, well, we did go over a little bit, but I knew we were going to. That's okay. I just want to take an opportunity to say thank you so much to Ray... Um, from the Bronx for giving us a call. Thank you, Ray. And, of course, Anna, who's listening out in Portland as well with our Portland Contingency. Thank you so much to you guys. Uh, thank you to Eric for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight, also from our Portland Contingency. While I'm on the Portland Contingency, let's continue on. I want to say thank you so much to David for hanging out and Trek talking with us tonight. Thank you, David. Have <laughs> <It was> fun. <laughs> <laughs> And also thank you so much to Paul For hanging out and Trek talking with us Thank you so much
4: Paul My pleasure man I just want you to have a restful next few days Just continue your trek on Take care of yourself And get this thing in the interview baby
2: (laughs) I'm going to be drinking my tea and honey And laying right on the couch With me and my dog Watching Star Trek Until I can flush this COVID thing
4: Out of my system So Oh, that'll be it, that'll it, be good. It, it, I'm just so sorry you you got it, but it's just so hard to avoid and uh just glad you're glad you're vaccinated and safe, brother. But uh I, I am
2: fully vaccinated, which I think is what's saving me, my saving grace. Uh,
4: not a political statement, and just just the nope, truth. I'm just nope, glad not you're a political
2: okay. No, not a political statement <laughs> at all. And also thank you so much to Charles for hanging out and truck talking with us. Thank you, Charles.
5: Oh, having two back to back great episodes. it is. What a great time to be a Trekkie.
2: Yeah, we we are very fortunate. And I want to let you guys know that on Monday night, same bat time, same bat channel, we're going to be talking about Star Trek Voyager's Death Wish. So you wanted to know Uh what's the life expectancy of a Q? Can Q actually die? Well, those questions are answered on Death Wish, and we're going to talk about them on Monday night. So uh, swing oh, around and visit us on Monday night and find out. So that's going to be season, live.
4: season 2, episode 18, is that right? If we need to do our homework, uh, Jim? Uh,
2: something like that. Yeah, I watched it today, uh, but I don't remember which episode it was. Death yeah, Wish. Okay. Okay. Death Wish. Yep. It'll show up. And Sweet. please, if you missed, if you missed, I'm fading fast here, guys. If you missed Monday show where we interviewed um, Eduardo Roman, who played Vulcan number one, the mind meld Vulcan from Star Trek Picard's episode Mercy. You want to go back and give that a listen because he was great to talk to.
4: Uh, He's a super (laughs) cool guy. Really cool guy.
2: He has some great stories and some great insights, and it was so much fun (laughs) to talk to to him. So please check that show out if you get a chance. And I'm really fading fast here, guys. So I got to say, to, to everybody, please uh, stay safe, be good to each other, and remember, Star Trek fans are the best fans. You better believe that. I'm your most excellent host, Uncle Jim, saying, hailing frequencies are closed. Good night, everybody.
4: <laughs> night, long, be well, everyone. Take care of yourselves.
2: Let's see what's out
4: there. Engage.